Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Utah Jazz pick up a win. BYU wins. Utah wins. College basketball is underway. The Jazz, we'll get to the best Jazz postgame showing up. The Utah Jazz uh, beat Atlanta. They look like a tired team. They're missing a couple guys who maybe could have given a little lift, could have given a little bump, could have uh, hit some shots for them. They didn't have them. The Jazz are up by 15 going to the fourth quarter, and they get the W. We'll get to the best postgame show coming up. We start with BYU football on a bye week. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, stopping by for his weekly visit. Here's his conversation with PK and I. Dylan, good morning. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing well. It's a bye week. BYU can put their feet up. No, that would never happen. They're going to work and they're going to keep getting better. <laughs> what really happens on a bye week? Yeah, uh, it is, it is, it's a good week. It's a fun week. Um, as long as you're winning and things are going well, right? Uh, you know, first couple days, Either some teams do it on the front end, some teams do it on the back end, but basically you're going reviewing the game film uh, from the previous week. Uh, you know, the the lifting is kind of ramped up just a little bit because you're not uh, really physically getting after it near as much. Practices are shortened. Um, a really, it really is kind of a good opportunity, especially for the scout team and walk-on players. Um, to get a lot more live action. There's generally a, a scout bowl that happens every year. Um, and so it's a, it's a good time. Oh, and this is BYU, too, so there should be a lot of marriage proposals, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Just getting ready for those December weddings, you know what I mean? <laughs> I knew you'd play long. <laughs> <laughs> Who's course. playing, right, Dylan? Who's playing? <laughs> Oh, brother. So, four years back, I think it was, you made uh, this big definitive statement about Zach Wilson that he's going to be as good as anybody played at BYU and goes up, and we know what happened there. Uh, what do you think about Jaron Hall? Because i got people at BYU telling me that this kid is really – he's great now, and he's going to be even better. Yeah, uh, and, and I genuinely do believe that. And I think, you know, we kind of talked about this early on in the season, but – the potential that Jaron has is, you know, the, the ceiling is extremely, extremely high, right? And the expectation that everyone has seen and held Jaron to is much, much higher than anybody else would because, one, BYU fans and the culture already have the stigma of holding their, you know, quarterbacks to a, a Heisman year every single year. Um, but even more so coming on after Zach, right, there is this level of expectation. And so, um, if you don't think that Jaron hasn't performed to the level that he should be, right, you're, you're dreaming. Um, because, you know, the guy's played in, what, eight games in his college career <laughs> after, you know, uh, going through having the inconsistencies last year and, and coming off of his mission. And this is the first time we've really been able to see him at, you know, full capacity. And, and doing it banged up, like many people are. But I honestly think where he's at right now is in a really, really good place of, of growth opportunity. I think he's going to finish out the season extremely strong. And what we'll see next year is a huge definitive level up from where he's even at today. I think, I think next year you'll have a really, really clear idea of how good Jaron Hall really is. 
So while Jaron is a sophomore and BYU fans can dream about uh, two more years of uh, excellence in Provo, there's also the line of thinking that, well, Jaron doesn't actually think all these Britain Covey are old jokes are that funny because he doesn't think Britain's that old. Right. So (laughs) at what point should he be advised to go to the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I personally believe that, like I'm saying, I, I think next year is a great opportunity for Jaron to go to the to go to the next level if he performs to the level that he's capable of. If he can play consistent, if he can play healthy, right? He's going to put himself in a really good position to. And am I sitting here saying the guy's you know going to be a top ten pick? No, absolutely not. But I think going into next season and after a successful season, he's going to find himself in a position where he's going to be able to, you know, play a lot of football um, for the years that he does have and, you know, set himself up for, for a really, really good future. Um, but, you know, do I think holding off for the next two years, right, and waiting until he is a senior, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do it. How about Algier? It seems like he's got to go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, no questions asked, especially as a running back. Your, your lifespan as a running back is just so short, especially in today's game. So to not take full advantage of it uh, in the prime where your health has been, you know, you're, you're in great health, right? You're strong. You're faster, only going to get, you know, your fastest is only going to get faster and, and you're strong. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't risk, uh, I wouldn't risk that at all. Anybody else you think is leaving early or should leave early or maybe shouldn't leave early, but you think they will? Uh, to be honest with you, outside of those two guys, if anybody left early, I think it would be a uh, it would be a mistake in terms of you know maybe what their expectations are. How about right? Puka though? If they have. I think Puka has has one more year in him, and don't get me like I'm that's not saying Puka isn't like Puka's. Uh, Puka is that next level strength already. I think they're a refined. You know, there are refining factors in his game that, if he has one more year, uh, will greatly attribute to him. Puka Nakua being a first-round pick is not out of the question. Yeah, I see some Austin in him, and he didn't go on a mission, so he doesn't have the age thing working against him, Mm -hmm. so he could easily come back and still not be considered, although I think it's stupid if somebody's 23 versus 21, what the crap is the difference right. if you give somebody 10 years? Who cares when the average lifespan in the league isn't even four full seasons? But I think that uh, since he didn't go on a mission, uh, that could work towards his benefit of coming back next year, particularly if Jaron Hall comes back, because then you got your quarterback back, mm-hmm. and you guys were thrown together a little bit in the offseason for the first time. Well, it only stands to reason that next year you'd have a better season and there'd be a better connection between the two. I could not agree more. I mean, I think there was a reason that you had Max Austin and Dennis and Harvey in the position that they were their junior years, um, and the and the benefit that that was to to Austin, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's that's got to be that's got to be the plan. Um, and you know, Puka is going to leave <laughs> the year after being the highest pick pick receiver from from BYU. We're joined right now by Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. 
PK was talking about how there is some belief around the BYU program that the uh, New Year's Six Bowls are not completely off the table. There is a chance there, and I suppose the most obvious path, Cincinnati has been flirting with disaster here in the regular season. If they lose a regular season game and then lose to a good team in the conference title game, that's two losses. That would seem to be BYU's best path to a New Year's Six, assuming the Cougars went out. What do you think the odds are? Had you really considered that? What do you think? Um, I, I, I honestly haven't considered it. I, you know, that would be that would be awesome. I think in order for that truly to happen, there cannot be if there is a close call, right? You know, obviously, if they don't beat Georgia Southern by thirty, right, and you know, if they go into the USC game and they beat USC, uh, and I'm not saying handedly, right, like by 30 points, but if there's a definitive difference in the two teams to where you can tell BYU is, is that, you know, top tier, they deserve the respect that, that they're getting, um, I think putting them into a New Year's Six Bowl would be would be a good idea. I think it would be phenomenal for the bowl game itself um, and the attention that, you know, it's going to bring. Um, but you know, I think there's there's contracts for a reason. And to be honest with you, for me as a person, and I'm thinking about next season already, and and what the potential is. Meaning that the bowl game doesn't really matter to you that much. Is that the point? Yeah, like I'm already I'm already strung on the uh, the Independence Bowl, and I think that may be because of the lack and respect that is generally put towards BYU, right? I think if they go in, they beat Georgia Southern by 30, they beat USC, and it's a pretty handed physical win, you know, made by two touchdowns. Uh, I'm used to that being still, hey, BYU doesn't deserve the respect that they're getting, right? Yeah. Um, So I'm just not used to saying, yeah, you know what? Like Playoff rankings and the committee, everyone's going to be like, yeah, this is a really good idea. Let's put them in there. You know, I think we've already seen issues that have come out of the committee, and I don't trust them for anything. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd rather go back to that computer algorithm we were working with a couple of years ago. Yeah, who knows, man? It, it, it's it's impossible to figure out. At least if you had the uh, what would be you know twelve teams. I'm sure the 13th mm-hmm. team is going to win. It's just like with the college basketball tournament, who's yeah. ever the 69th team, and when it was 64, the 65th team. There's always somebody that wins. But when you put in more teams, the credibility of the whiner gets reduced because if you've had ample time to make your mark and you didn't and somebody voted exactly. out, well, it's sort of on you as opposed to this year. I mean, right now, and we, we saw in the first uh, poll – with uh, Cincinnati being out, Oklahoma being out, and Oregon being in, which I was surprised Oregon was in. I didn't, and they're going to stay in, obviously. Uh, and, and well, they got the big game next week against the Utes. They got Washington State this yeah. week, so they could possibly lose. But I was, in, in a sense, I was surprised that the Pac-12 slash Oregon got so much respect. But then I stepped back and thinking, well, what they're doing indirectly is just paying enormous amount of respect to Ohio State. Once again. Yep. Yeah. I, I think there are two ends of the spectrum on that, right? You're giving enormous amount of respect to Ohio State, but I also genuinely believe that on the back end, they're also giving the respect as a whole, you know, the coaches, the AP poll, right, the playoff rankings to, to Fresno State. 
insight in, in the game that, that that Fresno State was able to put together against them. And so because they're, you know, equaling out both sides of that, um, I think I think Oregon is in a, a very good position to be where they are. Now, their chances of, of losing and blowing that opportunity up are typical, especially going into the Civil War uh, with Oregon State. Um, but that's something that is, is definitely up in the air at all costs. I think those bottom, the, the three and four are as open as open gets right now. Okay. You buying Oklahoma to go undefeated? Because if they do, they get one of those spots, but they've had a lot of close games and they've still got some, some quality opponents to play. I don't think so. I don't think they get in. I think that there is, and if they do, if they get in and they win out, I think Caleb Williams is probably the most important thing that's happened to that program in quite a few years. Uh, and he sets himself up to be kind of the next Oklahoma quarterback that, you know, finds himself in the Heisman conversation as a young player and, and on to be a, a, a top draft pick. Um, because what that dude has been able to come and do for that team and the talent that he's been able to play at after all the pressure with, you know, the whole Spencer Rattler debacle, uh, you know, that's that's unbelievable. Like, that is unbelievable the way that he's come in and played. And so I think, you know, if they if they do win out, you can you can attribute that to to the talent and, and ability of, of Caleb Williams. Seems like BYU is getting the ball rolling a little bit better on recruiting in terms of either guys who have high school kids who've committed and then decommit and then decide on BYU. We'll see if they eventually sign, but also some transfers. Now, my thought for you, do you think going forward that BYU will be able to get more of those dudes right off the bat as opposed to either a high school kid making a commitment someplace else and decommitting or a transfer going someplace else and then coming to BYU? I think the transfer going someplace else and then coming to BYU. Uh, I think that culture, which was has been kind of set by Pope and the basketball team, is already kind of trickling over into the football program. And I think that's going to be something that BYU cashes in on in both sports in a major way for years to come. Uh, I think there are going to be a lot of top talents that come in and, and are effective. Um, and I think ultimately that's what guys want to see is how productive can I be in a program as a graduate transfer and what is it going to propel me to do? Uh, That's something that that BYU has done a great job of. And I think they're just going to continue to, you know, build that out. You think BYU is more likely to land guys who um, we've never heard of, who are somewhere else who think I'm going to go to BYU, big 12 playing time. And, uh, and for a year and take my shot? Or do you think it's going to be more the guys we have heard of, there's more in-state than players than ever going out of state for school, but they decide to come home at some point? More the Puka Nakua story. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's going to be the guys that we've never heard of. I think it's going to be the Tysons, right, of, of the world that, you know, aren't from Utah, right, maybe from East Coast guys that are now seeing the benefit that it is to come to, to BYU. And most importantly, what you're saying is the trust that these guys have in Kalani, A-Rod, right, uh, the offensive staff and the defensive staff, because what they're telling them is actually coming to fruition, right? 
and they're making it a priority now to where when transfers are coming in, you know, there's a reason that they're bringing them in. They're not bringing them in, uh, you know, to to run fake jet sweeps, uh, but they're bringing them in to make them the, the focus point of, of the offense. So you want to go out and run some 30-yard dashes with me today? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd give you eight of them. I'd give you eight good ones. <laughs> was it always the same, like, uh, we'll, we'll just go with uh, the home stadium. Was it always west to east, or was it ever east to west? No, that was definitely, it was definitely both sides. It was okay. like half-gassers. Okay, okay Lou. Touch the line, come on back. <laughs> <laughs> Did you even bother to go downfield after the ball was snapped? Did you stand over there? <laughs> no, that was the only. That was like the, That was kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. Was like, hey, if nothing's open down deep, I might get the check down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just sit here on the numbers and wait. <laughs> well, you had to collect your breath by then. Now, <laughs> now, if you do this in several stadiums, you know some stadiums are 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 flat, some are crowned for drainage. Do you ever find yourself having to pull up running downhill because you were just picking up speed and running downhill? I think I think the bigger problem was the going uphill issue right? <laughs> at the start trying to make of the jet it sweep. trying to make the rounded cut to get away from the quarterback and the you know not mess up the handoff mesh uh for the running back that's where the real <laughs> worry was you should a couple times just see if anybody noticed just keep running into the sidelines yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was third and eighteen, coach. I didn't think we were converting. Getting out of the way for the punt team. Checking down anyway. What's the difference? I'll hang yeah, back in case right. there's a pick return. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, it was jet it was, sweep humor will never grow old. The classics no, never grow old. All right, Dylan, we will let you go. We appreciate the time, and uh, enjoy the bye week, and uh, we will talk to you when you're getting BYU all prepped for the big game at Georgia Southern. <laughs> yep, no question. We'll all talk right. later. There is Dylan Colley. We will hear from Frank Dolce coming up. Best of the Jazz post-game show on the way. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After 10 long, grueling weeks, it's finally a bye week for Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars. But just because the Cougars have the week off doesn't mean the coverage slows down on the Zone Sports Network. Keep it locked all week on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the home stretch of the Cougar football season. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz get the win. They take down the Atlanta Hawks. They end their two-game losing streak here is the best of the Jazz postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz had a good shooting night, played well defensively. They beat the Hawks 110-98. to Jake Scott with you. Donovan Mitchell led the way with 27 points. Six Jazz players were in double figures last night. Uh, Bogdanovich uh, had 18. Jordan Clarkson with 16. Mike Conley back in the lineup. He had 12 points to go along with six assists. Royce O'Neal had 11. Hassan Whiteside, 10. Nine boards and one block shot. Rudy Gobert 
last night. Nine points, 14 rebounds, and two blocks for Rudy. Uh, as the Jazz win to move to 7-3 and three on the season, let's uh, get some post-game sound going for you. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. We're going to sometimes drop them in the backcourt. I think any time, you know, you've got a player that's that dynamic um, with the ball, you know, to – you know, anything you can do to be disruptive, um, you know, can be helpful. And you're obviously giving something up at the other end. Um, but as I said, if, you know, if he gets the ball back, maybe there's a little some in the shot clock. It's, you know, nothing's perfect. And you know, there were times that that hurt us. But you know, that's what um, you know a great player can do. Obviously, you know, Rudy got the foul trouble, but. Well, you, you, I'll repeat what you said. It, it, he really, I think, I think he was, as you said, when, when, when Rudy has gotten in, in foul trouble, it's happened before, you know, to still have, you know, that rim protection. Um, and I think he got better in pick and roll as the game went along. Kind of, He's still finding his way a little bit. Um, we're finding our way a little bit in those, some of those covered situations where, you know, how high should we be up, how far back and when. Um, but he competed, you know, and, and uh, some big offensive rebounds as well. Where are you seeing from Bob and um, well, I, I think we, you know, I've, I've said it before, you know, it, it, to me, Tony, it's, it's, it's less about running the team and managing the game as it is just making the right play, you know, and, you know, he's capable of doing a lot of things on the court, um, whether he's off the ball or his hand on the ball. I mean, that, that's obviously a strength of our team you know, when he and Mike are out there together and, um, you know, they play together that way. And, you know, that, that's, that's what we, we want. I want our guys, I want us to defend and just to try to make the right play. And the right play is not just the guy with the ball. The right play is spacing, the precision that we need because, you know, the guy with the ball can't make the right play if other people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, I, I think, you know, our guards and our big, we were, we were, we were, more, we were communicating better in some switching situations where, um, you know, when it's hard uh, to stay in front all the time and pick and roll and in those moments, you know, to be decisive with who's got the ball. And, you know, even if it appears to be a quote-unquote mismatch, um, there's someone that's contesting a shot, you know, and, and make them make them earn those baskets um, instead of layups or clean looks or lobs. Talked about how defense wasn't where you wanted. Even Joe reiterated that basically. You know, it's a lack of effort. He said, "Did you like the effort you saw from the other guys tonight?" Yeah, I, I think you know. I, I think it's. I think it's mental. You know, it's. There's. You know, you're not running that far. It's. It's a question of how quickly can you get to the next play. You know, how alert you are um, to not lament a missed shot or. Uh, you know, feel wrong about a foul, you know, whatever the case may be, not ball watch, you know, just to understand that we've got to get to the next play, no matter, no matter what, not to celebrate, um, you know, a great play. 
um, all, all those things that that where you need you know the mental focus to get to the next play because that's what just happened is over you know and you can talk about it and look at it later there you go that's jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as his team moves to eight and three actually on the season with the 110 98 win over the Atlanta Hawks let's now move on to the players let's hear from Donovan Mitchell I just started on the defensive end you know we were we were making shots we're going back and forth but you know when we really honed in on our defense got stops and ran we pushed the lead open um, and I think you saw that especially in the fourth I don't think Trey or Kev scored in the fourth maybe they did I, I don't remember but we made it hard on them you know they, they got good looks and like I said out there the talented players are going to make shots but you know, we were able to put stops together consecutively you know switching whatever breaking up the lob pass and then executing down there on the offensive end and that's who we are and we got to continue to do that from game to game after you know being on the road so often you know last two I was good, you know, good to be back. Um, you know, the, the crowd, the atmosphere, you know, whether it's the fourth quarter, trying to get them to miss for, for free fry, um, Kentucky fried chicken or, or Kentucky Chick-fil-A. I mean, um, like that, that I think is, you know, it gives us a boost. You know, it's always good to be back, sleep in your own bed and all that. So uh, we, we have a homestand. We got to take care of our home court uh, coming up, but it's definitely good to be back. Several players on this team were shooting in the 80s and 90s from free throw. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, yeah. 80s and um, 90s. How, and it's not just a matter of making them, but the times you guys are actually in the game. Thank you. How, how important yeah, it's it's a focus. Yeah, it's it's a focus. It's it's just a testament to the reps we've put in. You know, where we're able, even though the shots aren't falling, you know, that's when you really lock in more on the free throws to get a sense of rhythm. Um, that happens to me a lot when I don't necessarily have the shot fall and I try and get to the free throw line to see it go in. And we're just locked in, you know, as a group. You know, um, and I think that's that's pretty much what it is. Just a, a focus on it, and you know, we got to continue to do it. You know, and make it especially in critical situations. Was it nice to see some shots follow? Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, I, I, and we were executing. And I think it gives you life. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you, you can say all you want about you know being able to guard throughout, not making shots, and you, you can do that. You know, two times, three times, but it's it's tough to do it consecutively four, five, six, seven times. And this is the truth, you know. But that's what we're hoping to be. You know, to, to be great. You know, and that's what we got to get to. But it's it's tough at times. You know, when shots are from, it's like man, even the open ones. But you know, to see some shots go in the night, you know. It was, it was good. It felt good. We dropped 32 in the first quarter. How nice was it to get off to a good start this time? We dropped 32. You dropped 32 points in the first quarter. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. How was it? How did it oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. But I, I think, you know, we were more focused on the fact that we gave up, I think it was 28 or 30, you know, off of turnovers, silly plays. I didn't get up on defense, easy, easy, uh, easy things like that. I think that's really where our focus was at. And I think that's what we were all happy, happy about, you know, because the 32 points. Is, is, is good to see, but you know, at the end of the day, we could have held them to a 20 ball, a 22 ball, under, under 24, and that. And I think those little mistakes and executing that's what you saw progressively throughout the game as we started getting better and better at those situations. There you go, Donovan Mitchell 27 points, 11 of 20, shooting five assists and three rebounds. Talking about his defense as well. Speaking of defense, let's now hear from Hassan Whiteside. I was joking with the coaching staff. I'm like, how many teams got a backup center that can outplay other teams' starting centers? So, um, I, I take pride in that. You know, I don't want it to be 
a drop off or or anything like that when I come in the game. It's like I wanna just keep it keep it um keep it steady or go up even more and, and try to elevate the team when I come out there. You know, because Rudy's gonna he's gonna be Rudy. He's gonna come out there, he's gonna dominate the paint, you know, and um I just wanna keep that going and protect the paint and and I, I just that's just what I wanna do. Yeah, a couple of times I had got called. I got a little too aggressive. I, um, we had switched when they wanted to just um, kind of give up the mid-range. But, you know, I just kind of got a little aggressive sometimes. And um, he got behind me. Uh, but we got better as the game went on, you know. And, um, and I, like I said, it's, it's tough because it's tough when them guys can shoot threes like that, like a, like a Portland, like, um, like, a, like the Warriors, them guys that can really get it going with a big rolling so fast. I guess let me ask you about that because then you decided to go back uh, so the guard clamper. Um, so, so normally you looking for, you normally trying to hold the guy up. You trying to stab, jab at the, um, at the point guard to the other guy can go. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes they can't get back in front and we just got to switch it after like a couple of dribbles, you know, it happens so fast. I think um, people don't realize how fast you got to react guard pick and rolls. It's, 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 it's really a split second, you know, it's, you basically playing two on one every time. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna take all the blood all the all the um credit for that. You know, it's just um you know I think it's I think it's a I think it's a, a mixture of <laughs> Hold on bro, I'm not interview. <laughs> I think it's a mixture of just having great teammates, you know, just them guys is, I can trust them guys to help me, you know, and, um, and, and overall it just helped me become a better basketball player. That's Hassan Whiteside last night. Eight uh, eight points coming in off the bench to go along with eight rebounds. Uh, also added uh, a block shot to that total as well. There's the best of the Jazz postgame show. When we come back, our weekly visit with Frank Dolce, our Utah insider, as the Utes crush the last place team in the Pac-12 North and get ready for the last place team in the Pac-12 South. Stay with us. Ready, ready, ready. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a trip to Tucson, Arizona for the Utes as they enter the home stretch of their Pac-12 schedule with a showdown against the Arizona Wildcats. Catch the Ute pregame show this Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Ah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time now to talk Utah football with the former youth quarterback, Frank Dolce, our youth insider here on The Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular and hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Good to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Well, we're all doing well, but I don't think we're doing as well as the Utes did in the first half in Palo Alto. Did that say more about Utah or more about Stanford? How'd you take it? Well, man, Stanford didn't look very good. So, 
I, I don't know what to think about that Stanford team. They, they're, it's a roller coaster, it's kind of a roller coaster ride, and I, I don't know if if they have um, if, if they've cashed in the season or if they're still interested in playing. But it just doesn't. It didn't feel very like and and, and you know I, I don't know what the the numbers were announced for the crowd on. On, online, it kept saying capacity is fifty thousand, but it wouldn't announce the, the numbers. I didn't see if you guys saw the the crowd, but there wasn't a crowd there. I think there two hundred forty-two people. I think were there. Two hundred forty-two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, two hundred forty were Utah fans. So, uh, I I I think Utah. It, it was good. It was a combination of Utah was was pretty good, and. Stanford just didn't seem interested. No, I would agree with that. But I need you to know, Frank, we've changed clocks now. The weather's getting worse. I am in football mode. This interview right now, you need to be prepared because I'm putting hat on hat. Okay, let's go. I'm ready. I'm always ready. Isn't that a isn't that a thing somewhere? Do the Marines say that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And in my heart, I like to think of myself as a Marine. I knew I couldn't cut it, so I didn't shine up you, for it. You identify as a Marine. I, I, I'm, with, I'm with you. I like okay. that. The key, Here we go. The key word. So I think that, you know, we've known that Utah's had some stumbles. It's funny because for years they stumbled in November. Now they've changed that yeah. and they stumbled in December, which is good to be in the position to stumble in December because a lot of teams aren't even in that position. But the Utes are this year and they have been and so with that in mind I'm not expecting a stumble I, at minimum minimum I'm expecting a split with Oregon I don't care about Arizona and Colorado that's a waste of time uh, you gotta play them and they suck so go beat them and, and hopefully nobody gets hurt I mean that that's the goal the goal of those two games is beat those teams and don't have any major injuries along the way but the Oregon game next week and then the game, which I think is just – I know Utah's going to be there. I'm pretty sure Oregon's going to be there. I think they split. What do you think? Yeah, I I would lean that way also. It's just – it's really hard to beat a team twice, especially, you know, like a, like an Oregon team that's, that's super talented. Although I, it doesn't quite feel like Oregon has put it all together. I think that starts with the quarterback position. Like, I think they're super talented all over the field and maybe um, average to above average talented at the quarterback position. So that, that may be an issue with that football team. But, uh, but I like what, I like what coach Cristobal does. I like his philosophy and his culture and, and so that's going to be, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's impossible. Um, I wouldn't say it's impossible for Utah to lose twice to that, to that football team if they got in that position. But I think a split is, very, is a very reasonable way to, to look at it. And if Utah so, – so I try to say, you know, when have we seen Oregon at their best? You know, Ohio State. That was, that was pretty early in the football season. When have we seen Utah – at their best, well, that seems pretty recent. Maybe Stanford. Um, there's been, you know, halves of play where we've seen Utah really good recently. Uh, so I think if you match up Utah's best and Oregon's best, I think, oh, man, I want to say that Utah edges out Oregon, but when 
you know, when Oregon's at their best, they're pretty good. So I guess I just talked myself into year <laughs> one and one. <laughs> Especially they're going to play them like th- twice. They'll play them three weeks apart too. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I uh, so which is more? I mean, which game is more meaningful? Do you think? Think uh, second one. If it, it, the second one, yeah, yeah, the second one. So, so do you throw the this one? <laughs> you throw this one so you can beat them in the second one. <laughs> yeah, and then you, then you and then if Oregon wins out and then you beat them, the whole conference hates you because you didn't uh, you took away the chance for a team to go to the playoff. But that's the way it goes. So yeah, yeah, I mean if you're if you're you no you're, you're Utah, you, Oregon needs to win both to get to the playoff. So there's more pressure on them there from that perspective. But if you're the Utes, yeah. you take the Pac-12 title game versus this one here. There's no way Oregon's going to the playoff. No way. I, there's no. There's no way. No Even way. Out, there's no way. No way. No he way. says, Sniggy, correct him. Actually, my next question was going to be everybody in all the other Pac-12 uh, campuses believes that it will be a split because everything always goes wrong for the Pac-12. They won't get a team in a playoff. What is most likely to go wrong and jack everything up? Well, Utah is going to get one of those two games off Oregon. I think the playoff committee is counting on that uh, <laughs> based on the way they they did the rankings. But but I just even even if Oregon goes undefeated – I just don't see the and if Oregon goes undefeated and Ohio State goes undefeated, and Cincinnati gets screwed. <laughs> Cincinnati gets screwed. But what about Oklahoma sitting outside? How does Oklahoma stay out? I thought you were going to say, uh, well, if Georgia beats Alabama, then Alabama's out because Alabama will have two losses and if, well, if they yeah. don't then you have two SEC teams. That's and they absolutely set themselves up to do that. If but Bama absolutely. beats Georgia, right. Bama's one and Georgia will fall to 3. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it's very <laughs> I think it's very unlikely that Oregon Oregon gets in. Hmm. So, and and I don't know that a I so, don't know that a one-loss Oregon team I don't know. Is it a one yes, Oregon yes. team competitive with the top four or five teams? Well, well they, they have the a win over. They have a win over one loss Ohio State, and what your your nightmare scenario? I know with, without 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 their best defensive players too. I mean, Georgia, it's a good win. There's no question. Alabama beats Georgia and is one. Okay. Georgia falls to two or three. Oklahoma, uh-huh. if Oklahoma's undefeated, I'm not convinced they will be for the same reason I'm not convinced Oregon can win out. But if Oklahoma does yeah. win out, they're in it too because they're undefeated. Georgia falls to three with a loss, and Ohio State is four, and Cincinnati is out, and Oregon is out. Yeah. I think and Notre Dame the... is out for that matter. I mean, Notre Dame, we could be sitting here. You know, if Notre Dame needs one more game, Notre Dame and BYU should call each other. BYU's thinking, hey, we're one big win away from going to a, maybe a Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, throw a game together real quick—a thirteenth game. You can That's play it in Canada. There's a there's a loophole. Well, you're a dumb hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Oh. I know it's not going to happen. Then why bring it up, we, man? We, We're serious here. We I don't know what win. you guys are planning on. <laughs> you know you, how you do you do during the week. Now you'll do like some cut up of your interviews today. If the cut up of you're a dumb hole <laughs> replaying all week long. I don't know what's wrong. Whoever does that, just 
that's that's your loop for the rest of the week. <laughs> There's a loophole. No, you're a dumb hole. Well, I could have gone worse, but I didn't. Yeah, that was good. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for showing some restraint. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's comment comment of the day. You did, man. You did come ready to go hat to hat. <laughs> I got my hand in the dirt. I'm hat on hat today. I thought drop dead when I saw Kyle Whittingham elect to receive Mr. Defense. We're going on offense, man. He knew. They'd seen the film. He, Eel, he never he does okay, that. Right. It's okay, not so like the first time they've whacked somebody. That's true. He, but but he, the, Frank, why did they do that and then throw on two of the first three plays? Now, they converted the third down, but I thought, as soon as they thought that, I thought they've already scripted out 12 straight run plays to start this game. They're going after the 12th best run defense in the league, which would be the I, worst run defense in the league, and then they threw on them on two of the first three plays. You, can, you can't, I can't ever decipher what, you know, what's in the mind of an offensive coordinator. I never understand it because to all of us, so you, you, you think, well, Look at that. Utah's going to go on offense. Well, of course they're going to go on offense because Stanford is terrible on defense. They give up, you know, 1,000 yards a game, and 600 of that is, is rushing. So That's just a one player. You go on, and, and yeah, and, and Utah is, you know, running the ball pretty well. So, yeah, we're going to, of course, we're going to go on offense, and then we're just going to just jam it down the middle of the line of scrimmage and we're going to beat everybody up and and we go dropping back to dropping back to pass. I don't I don't know. I mean and and I have I have learned to just say look, I'm not in the I'm not in the film room. And so what I see on TV maybe looks different than in in the film room or maybe what we see on the on the paper or stats page is different than what we see in the film room, but clearly uh, Coach Ludwig and that offensive staff saw something in the pass game they th- thought they could exploit early, and maybe it was just a thing to get Cam Risen comfortable throwing the ball early, because they knew that maybe he wasn't going to throw the ball a bunch during the game, and he sure didn't. He didn't need to. So, I don't know. I don't know how to decipher it. I don't know why they threw the ball a couple times in the first few plays of the game um you know to keep stanford off balance who knows but but what whatever it is um utah figured it out they were really good up front and eventually they got to the part where they just started smashing stanford with the run game Frank, we're talking a lot about Oregon, but is there any chance Washington State beats Oregon? Because yeah. then they both have two losses. Was yeah. it have the tiebreaker? They'd be in the driver's seat. Yes, absolutely. I said that. I said that um, last week when when I was with uh, Hans and Scotty. I said, "Watch Washington State beat Oregon, and then and then who's now who's in charge of the North?" Sure, but if you're Utah, and, you don't want that at all. No, I don't think you want that. No, no, I'm just saying that that's a that's a, not an unlikely scenario for for Washington State to do that because it's because it's the Pac-12, and that's something that is that is very reasonable to think would happen. So until in, until Oregon State lost again, which I, who knows? I, at one point I was like, we, nobody wants to play Oregon State, and now it's like everybody wants to play Oregon State. <laughs> But at one point, it was even as late as last week. You know, Washington State wins, 
Oregon State wins, Oregon wins, all of a sudden, and then, and then you have possibly Oregon State beating Oregon, Washington State beating Oregon. I mean, the whole North is a mess. It's a complete mess. But, yes, I'm with you. Like, I think Washington State could, could be a little disrupt, di- disruptive uh, on, on the, in, yeah. in the North. Not with no PK, question. though. That wrecks the storyline. Oregon's the storyline. It does. That's the one everyone no, wants. But PK is like, I mean, PK is very malleable. I mean, he would, whatever the storyline is this week, <laughs> next week he would, he would have a new storyline, right? He, I mean, oh, he'd put a hat so, on a hat and go after a new storyline. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, I, don't, I have no, no, question, no question about that. The Pac-12 is just, is just weird this year. So, you know, what, whatever's happening at Washington right now, um, coaches being fired, I thought Jonathan Smith had it dialed in, um, and maybe they're still a year, a, a year away. I, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a funny conference. Dante Williams is doing everything he can not to be the next head coach at at USC. So I, it's a it's a weird conference. I wouldn't be surprised to see five head coaching op- opportunities in the South this year. I mean that. That is that seems like a reasonable possibility with with what's happening. Although you know, Colorado's kind of Colorado's kind of coming around. What do you guys think of Carl Durrell, By the way, I mean, is he is he going to get that thing going? Is he a is he a long timer at Colorado? No, I would guess no. No, man. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I wanted him to do, I wanted him to do so well at UCLA, and then it just never kind of it never materialized. And then I thought, okay, he's gonna. Going to really land it on fire at at Colorado. Maybe it's just because I want him to. I don't know. I just think he's. I think it's largely because you want him to. Yes, great guy. He's a great guy. I've talked to him many times. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Great, great guy. But there's some serious heavy lifting to be done there. And so I think until we see someone do it, the default prediction is no, they're not going to. Even though PK has said a million times, well, you never know with a coaching hire. True. They're True starting enough. to do. They're doing some facility stuff there, and that's going to help. Probably the next guy. Oh man! And Boulder's a great town. I mean, I, I think Boulder's a great place. It shouldn't be too difficult to to recruit there, and, and certainly they've had success in the past. So, do you think? Uh, do you think Jimmy Lake survives this year? No, I'm with PK. No, he just got really? suspended a game without pay. They've got a great chance to lose to Washington State and end on a down note. <laughs> They're four and five. Are they? Are they going to be bowl eligible? No. Oh man. They can lose There's to ASU and drop to four and six. Beat Colorado, lose to Wazoo, be five and seven. No. There's a, there's a little. There's a little <laughs> He's putting there's no little, hat on the no hat. <laughs> no, no. There's a little rumor going around in Seattle that the trustees are getting together and. Putting together a nice package for Chris Peterson <laughs> to come back. No, please, <laughs> please, <laughs> please, Chris, we're begging you. We got no other ideas. If he's interested in coaching, <laughs> excuse me, I'm SC. I throw him whatever package Washington puts. I triple it. No question. Yeah, you just go down There's to no New. Question. You go down to Newport Beach and tell some alums to write some checks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Chris Peterson at uh, at USC. I just think that 
I, I think that would be fantastic would for think, the Pac-12. I would think most U fans would like to not see that happen. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand that part of it, but but um, for the for for the sake of the conference, I mean, the conference needs something because as it sits, you can't have like you, you can't go through a every year like. Oh, we got one loss, Oregon, or we have one loss, this team. And if they win the rest of their games, and it's unlikely that the winners of the games, and are they going to be over to, able to overcome the f- playoff committee? And you need a dominant team in in the Pac-12, or the Pac-12 is never going to see the playoffs ever. So, I mean, for the for the Pac-12, they need to make some. They need to figure out some hires. Chris Peterson is is a guy that they need to go. I mean, they just need to go get them, and they need to put them in the right spot. Washington potentially is the right spot. USC definitely is the right spot. So uh, I, I just don't know how – philosophically, I just don't know that the Pac-12 as a conference is really that interested in, in a football championship. So, and if that's the case, then, then they'll go find a, you know, a good guy to run USC, but USC will have two losses every year, even with all the talent. And same with Washington and, and maybe Oregon, will, you know, maybe one team will sneak through with one loss, but, but they're never going to see the playoffs if, if that's the way it's going to be. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we just have to settle on that. The Pac-12 is just, that's not the, the main focus of the Pac-12 is to win a football championship. We'll leave it right there, Frank. Thanks for the downer. Did we even talk about Utah, Arizona? We tried not to. <laughs> I listened. PK, did you listen to that? Did you listen to the radio broadcast? Did you watch the game? Which game? Arizona. Sorry, the Arizona game last week. I did not listen to radio. No. What? So I like to listen. I I. T- t- I like to listen to the local radio broadcasts when I can. Like, so I listen to the Arizona broadcast. And I can't remember the name. You probably know him. I can't remember the name of the, uh, of the play-by-play guy for Arizona. Um, but he did, he did a nice job on the broadcast. It was very entertaining listening to him. And you could just hear the excitement in his voice as it got closer and closer and closer. And I... I'm not kidding. I think that he broke down and shed tears at like he got all choked up at the end of that at the end of that football game. It was just kind of an amazing moment to listen in in radio football. It was like he he literally broke down. He was emotional. <laughs> he was talking about I think it was homecoming. I mean, all of these things kind of Went congealed together in the perfect storm, and and uh, it was quite a moment in uh, in radio football history. I thought it was very entertaining. Frank, good to catch up with you. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you. All right, you guys, you're the best. Have a great week. There's Frank Dolce. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. 
Donovan chests it to O'Neal, gets it right back. Guarded by Solomon Hill. Rise and fire, free mid-range jumper on the right wing is up and in. Donovan, left corner, three on an O'Neal give, pops out. Rudy puts it back up and in. Donovan trying to get that switch. Now attacks from left hand, flares it out to Royce, resets Donovan, reddish on him, fires the three, got it. Oh my, Donovan just knows it right now. Donovan signaling the crowd to let it rip a little bit. And the crowd does. And the Jazz beat the Atlanta Hawks 110-98. to Hawks going back-to-back, missing a couple of guys. The Jazz at home, shooting the three better, and it all added up to a win, PK. Not a blowout, but a victory nonetheless. Donovan. 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 <laughs> Donovan Mitchell, 27 points. 5 of 11 from 3. Donovan. Yeah, Hawks, they weren't missing anybody who counts. Get out of town. Bogdanovich. That just made more opportunities for Herder. Hunter. Ah, Hunter. Ah. I'd rather have Lindsey Hunter than this other Hunter. Hey, dude. famous Hunters, let's go. Uh, Deer. Good movie. Don't remember it. Jazz improved. Catfish. <laughs> nice. Jazz improved to 8 and 3 with the victory, starting a big stretch at home. See if they can pile up some wins. The Indiana Pacers are coming in tomorrow. No back-to-backs on the horizon either, so it is all set up for victories. Hall of Famer Catfish Hunter, best line when they let women in the locker room. They'll find out not all men, not all men are created equal. Former Utah Jazz star Darren Williams is going to fight Frank Gore. Boxing match, Tampa, Florida, December 18. They're on. forget that. They're on the undercard. I want to see Jokic's brothers fight the Morris brothers. Yeah! <laughs> Battle Royale, let's go. Put them all in the ring. I'm ready. I've got a Twitter beef going. That's so. what I want to see, man. Those tatted up, uh, where is he from? Slovenia? Ukraine? I think it's Croatia. Croatia? No, it's not Croatia. It's Slovenia, I believe. Okay. It's one yeah. of those. Those guys look nasty. <laughs> you don't want to tangle with those guys? No. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Giannis into the front court. Head full of steam. Attacks inside and throws it down with a one-hand slam and comes away pumping his fists on that dunk right there. Andre Drummond, 17 points now on his 20th rebound. Here's a lot pass on the other side. Up to Giannis, who thumps it down on the alley-oop feed from Drew Holiday. George with Lillard swiping at it. Spins to his left. Now back to his right. George in. Put it up. Put it in. Count it in a foul. George pounding his chest for Staples center as he puts the Clippers up 10 with a chance for one more. George facing up, double team comes, gets it outside, Batum straight away three, bottom, Nick Batum, perfect once again, his 6-3. And the Clippers beat the Blazers 117-109. Batum was 6 of 8 from 3, he had 22 points, George had 24 and Reggie Jackson gave him 23. So Nikki, they get the win. Nikki bait him. In Portland, it seemed like BYU back in the day with the uh, lose a game. You already know what bowl game you're going to. I mean, we already know how Portland's season's going to end. Squeak into the playoffs, losing the first round. Yeah, they may be solidly getting the playoffs, but they're not going to do anything once they get there. Bucks beat the Sixers in the other game. Light night in the NBA. Bucks win 118-109. Giannis had 31 in that game. Sixers still without Embiid. George Niang still lighting it up. He had another good night shooting the ball. 
The early MVP candidate of the Sixers. There it is. Uh, and you mentioned Jokic. He was suspended for one game without pay for shoving Marquise Morris in the back. Jokic misses tonight's game against the Indiana Pacers. Yes, the Pacers will be going back-to-back against the Jazz. I know. The league just gives the Jazz so many advantages. It's a joke. It's a jokage. Morris was fined 50 grand for his two flagrant fouls. Jimmy Butler was fined 30 grand for attempting to escalate the situation, failing to comply with an NBA escalate security review. After Jokic went to the bench, not while he was right there. I, I think it was worth it. If I'm Jokic, I'd take a game. Take a game. It's worth it to give Morris a pop for that. Yeah, I, think I was so. a little surprised Morris didn't get suspended. It wasn't a basketball play. Oh, but I mean, he's play. got a track record of being basically a Boy Scout. It so. wasn't a basketball play. The guy had the a both arms scout. on the ball above his head. His ribs are exposed, and you just go over and run into him. Throw a little elbow shoulder in there. Yeah, but that's who the Morris brothers, that's not the first time. I mean, yeah, I expect that. Surprised they didn't get a one-game suspension, too. Yeah, come on. Let them play on. That's good for the league, man. People are talking about it. We were talking about it all day yesterday and certainly in the morning on that thing. Three former Phoenix Suns employees have received messages from Penny Sarver, wife of Robert Sarver, who's the team's majority owner. The former employees say they consider the messages an attempt to intimidate them. Penny has confirmed she reached out to them, but says she wasn't trying to intimidate anyone, considers that silly, wrong, and outrageous. Okay, one of the people... If something happens to one of my children, I will hold you and Earl Watson personally responsible. That sounds like a little bit of intimidation to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what are you going to do when you hold that person? I can't imagine anything would happen to one of their children over this. I wouldn't think, but I don't know. Hold them personally responsible. Are you going to sue them? How are you going to hold them responsible? Whack them. <laughs> the Sopranos down there in Phoenix. What you got? Interesting to see what happens if the league forces him to sell. Man, maybe Ryan Smith can own two teams. <laughs> <laughs> um, Travis Hansen told us that he was interested in the Suns, and we had known that. And that, that uh, Travis told the story on our show that. Um, Ryan went to Sarver and was going to give $100 million. He said, what do you get from that? And Sarver said, good seats. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't enough. $100 million, he Wasn't there something it. about not even getting to watch practice? For $100 million, you can't watch practice. Come on. You can conduct practice. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you give me $100 million. <laughs> Got the run of the gym. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Now a three-pointer by Hogarth. Misses. Rebound, Christian Brown. Boy, does he look Throw athletic. Throw up. A lob. Ochai, a slam. Ochai Abaji rocking that rim. Heels off of the Griffin screen. On the drive. Trevor got inside. A little bully ball. Count it. And a chance for three. Juzang will run through the lane and hurl it out to Hawkins. A three ball is around and in with one second left. And there's the horn. And there's a 47 <laughs> 19 lead for the Bruins at the break. College basketball is underway. BYU got the win. Utah got the win. Utah State did not get the win. Dixie State covered. What impressed slash entertained you the most from any of these games to open the college basketball season? 
or pretty much ho-hum for you. <clears throat> yeah, I can't really get into these big uh, Michigan State and Kansas and Duke and Kentucky. They're nice big powerhouse matchups and all that, but they're also meaningless. These guys are all getting in the tournament. Yeah. And they'll probably be seated pretty well. Right. Uh, if they're half decent, they will be. So, I mean, but I appreciate them doing that. I, I tried to watch the Kansas thing a little early, uh, but... Just didn't do anything for you? No, because they're all going to get in, you know, what, to get back in March to see what, what they're going to do. But I appreciate them doing that, so it was more about the locals. Uh, I thought BYU struggled a little bit, but Cleveland State went to the tournament. They got five seniors. They got a 300-pounder, man. You don't see 300-pounders <laughs> in basketball very often. That's uh, a big boy. You know, got, I was surprised given how many players had the Cleveland State's offense down the stretch was like one guy dribbling to the paint and just try to hoist something up, maybe draw a foul, get to the line, and they got a couple shots blocked in there. It just didn't seem very creative. I don't know basketball like moving. you, so I can't really identify that. You know when the ball moves side to side, and it wasn't happening. No, I'm, I'm all about fingers in the dirt. I know football. I played freshman football at Thunderbird. We'll, we'll go over this with our Thunderbird uh, alumni coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Pablo Mastroni will join us here in about 15 <laughs> minutes. We'll have Thunderbird high talk, and eventually we'll get to RSL in the playoffs. And I like how Barcelo took over. Man, he did. Uh, how do you say that uh, 45's name? Fuseni Traore. Yeah, he's got a body, man. He's got a, you gotta you gotta like that. Dirt. 250 pounds. Yeah, just a young or is kid. Is that 300? That other no, dude. 300 is out of shape. You can't be. There's no 300. That dude, 6'8", 305. I mean, and he looked like he was out of shape. But uh, 45 looked good. Loner looked good. So, and they, and they got the win. That was good for them. Uh, and Barcelo, you know, he seems like he's he's a transfer, but it seems like uh, he's, he's one been of there those long guys like not. Britton Covey. You know, it just yeah. seemed like he's been at the BYU for a good long while. That'd be fun to watch these guys this season. We got so many new guys. Really, all three of uh, the D1 teams. A lot of new guys. Uh, who are Northern these guys? Wasatch At least yeah. Utah and Utah State traded guys, so we know them, even though they're new. Yeah, yeah, but it's going to take some time. And Utah State, I mean, the guts of their team is in Salt Lake City. Justin Bean gave him 16 and 13. He's still in Logan. He's a good but player. UC Davis. Beats Utah State 72-69. Utah State could not score down the stretch. They got to the seven-minute mark and then didn't score for about four minutes. And it gets away from them. Davis has picked top half of the Big West, but not, I think, they picked fourth. So, And UC San Diego, their first win over a Pac-12 team, beating Cal. Cal and Washington suck. Yep. They both lost. Cal's best player actually plays for San Diego State. Uh, Bradley, he's on the Wooden Award preseason list anyway. Got mine yesterday. The uh, Cougars played them Friday, they, or it's Friday night, isn't it? Friday night. Yeah, they've had some. They've had some great games over the years. It's a series that should be played every year. And the uh, Colorado Buffaloes had to go to overtime to get the win. Pac-12, all all home games, money games. They dropped two of them and almost lost a third. But Colorado pulled it out in OT. Beat Montana State. Utes used a 19-4 run in the second half to pull away from Abilene Christian and win that game 70-56. to I think they should rename it to Maybelline. It'd be way better than Abilene. Right? Oh, Maybelline. Why can't you be true? In fact, I'm going to call him Maybelline Christian from now on. Gonzaga 97-63 over Dixie State. We had John Judkins on yesterday. 
Excited to go up there and play in front of fans. They did it. They lose by 34. Last year they lost by 45. They're getting closer, PK. You know, I'd, I'd say about 27 next year. Boise State by 20 over UVU, 76-56. Southern Utah picked to win the Big Sky. Beat Bethesda, 116-74. Weber State picked second behind SUU in the Big Sky. Beat Western Colorado, 100-60. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Further comments, you know, I'm going to keep between myself and my doctors and you know, I don't have any further comments about about any of those things after this interview. Aaron Rodgers, Alan Lazard fired, fined fourteen thousand six hundred and fifty dollars. The Green Bay Packers fined three hundred grand, but no suspensions after the NBA, NFL completes a review of the franchise's COVID nineteen policies and practices earlier this week. Aaron's uh, eligible to come back Saturday. I assume we'll see him Sunday. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing in all this was, what's her name, Shalane Woodley? The new uh, gal, I guess. I know Aaron's body very well. First off, his feet, and no offense to this rando dude, are a lot bigger. He's kind of using a little code there. A little bit. Yeah. I've been there. (laughs) Using code? No. Carolina Panthers quarterback (laughs) Sam Darnold (laughs) has an incomplete fracture of his right shoulder blade. He is likely going to miss several weeks with the injury. They think it happened Sunday against the Patriots. That's the problem. He's had too many incompletions. This is the latest. Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook allegedly abused a former girlfriend, causing a concussion during an altercation in his home last year. Star Tribune of Minneapolis reporting this, citing a lawsuit filed Tuesday. Cook's attorney said Cook was assaulted by the woman after she broke into his residence. Do you think your baby mama would stick up for you like Woodley did? I really don't know about that. She is your baby mama. You need to stop. She's also your wife, but she's also your baby mama. Yeah, I know. I said where you're going. I saw you setting yourself up. Not the first time. Why wouldn't she stick up for you like that? DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. BYU moves up the spot to number 14. Utah enters the college football playoff rankings at number 24. There are the locals in the new rankings. Ohio State is now in the top four, PK. Cincinnati is fifth, waiting for someone to stumble. Ohio State had a close game. Admittedly, not as close as Cincinnati. And Bama had a close game, but they didn't uh, They didn't suffer. Ohio State actually prospered. Well, the Bearcats have become huge Ute fans. <laughs> Beat Oregon, knock them out, open up a spot for us. You're going to have two shots at them. Just split, that's all. Just asking to play 500. Although Cincinnati's got to be worried that Oklahoma will jump them. Yeah, but there's nothing they can do about that. No. They're just Oklahoma State fans. If Oklahoma State wins, Oklahoma will take a loss and not pass them. Well, this poll this time around was predictable. Last week it was a little bit surprising with Oregon being in there, but now it wasn't. I mean, I expected what I got. I was glad to see the Utes get in there because I think, to me, without question, the Utes are a top 25 team. I, I would go top 15 team right now. I mean, I realize you have to account for the record, so that's why they're not in that high of a, of a ranking because you do account for the records. So you have to account for the losses. But nevertheless, the team as it is now, I believe, is a top 
top 15 team in the country. Well, if they really are a top 15 team, then when they win next week, they'll move up. Some teams in front of them are bound to lose. So they're 24 now and ought to be able to get to 20 next week, I would think. And if they are a top 15 team and they keep winning, they, they will be there shortly. Because down in that area, teams lose, teams lose every week. Well, there's a bunch of 6-3 and three teams in there. Yep. And so they're going to win this week. I'm going to go down. I'm going to write. I already wrote what I'm going to write, and I wrote it last night. <laughs> it's all ready to go. Yeah. Just in I case. Got like 550 words. If you see anything different, you can change it. But if you, yeah. Utah's a 24 point favorite, and if that's how it well, goes. I'm writing, my point of writing this with this game against Arizona is that since Arizona entered, or Utah entered the conference, they've had, Arizona's had five football coaches, Utah's had one. And the only one who's done anything was Rich Rod, and he embarrassed the university. Kyle's never embarrassed the university. Never, ever. Yep. He's boring. <laughs> he is. He's a boring dude. He'll tell you that. He'll tell you first, right to your face. He did, he just, he did his family. Now he's got grandkids. Goes to see Chiefs games because his kid Alex is on the staff there. Uh, but, I mean, it's just... It, and yet there's a lot of people who want to change. I mean, Look at over there. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's the, the Dick Tomey thing. They had Larry Smith in the 80s who did well, and then he got the USC job. And Tomey took over. And Tomey produced like five first-round draft picks, 25 All-Americans, 45 All-Pac-10 team uh, members. And then they ran him out of town. Yeah. And, and he, they've and, sucked basically and, ever since. And he won a lot of games. Yeah, they had a twelve and one team along the way. Yeah, 1998. They had an identity. Everybody remembers that the Brewski yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. But two years after twelve and one, they ran him because he had two five hundred seasons. Well, the, the one one was five and six, but yeah, yeah, and he just got fed up. He got sick of it. And he left. It's so stupid. One of Chris Hill's greatest jobs or decisions was not running Kyle after two, five, and seven teams. Yep. One more year, he got it together, beat SC, got to six and one, screen bowl eligible, gave us a great drop, and they've been pretty good ever since. And their down year was seven and six. The USC Cal football game scheduled for Saturday has been postponed. Ongoing COVID issues for the Golden Bears. Game will be played on December 4th, the day after the Pac-12 Conference title game. Day of many other conference titles. That's just great news for the kids. That's great news for the kids? Yeah. (laughs) How so? Because they want to play. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I mean, the game doesn't... It's not going to matter or anything. But... It might matter to SC. We were talking about how that could be SC trying to get bowl eligible I suppose, now. I suppose that if that matters to you, but your SC and trying to get bowl eligible doesn't really fly. But I'm, I'm glad that the boys have a chance to play because they want to play as seniors. That's going to be it. So because they had said earlier that if there was a postponement, it would count as a forfeit, and they changed it, and that's the right thing to do. They got the date open, so use it. Yes. And they are. I think that's the wise thing. I mean, I don't care if it's not on television, if there's only 500 people there. It's all about the kids getting an opportunity to be together and play a game, win or lose. I mean, what? It, Justin Justin and the kids. That's Justin Wilcox, of course. Cal's is two years now. COVID has just ravaged their team. team. Yeah. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 
All right, coming up, we're going to have Joe Ingles early today, Yach. 8.05? Yeah, 8 a.m. Wow. All right, Joe Ingles is coming. This is Riley Jensen, 8.05. Riley moved. He moved? Did he need help packing? Scheduling snafu. Riley will be relocated to our show at another day and time. Another day? That's what what, uh, I was just texted by Yach. So we're not even going to have him today? Pablo Mastroni is coming up next. It's Thunderbird High Talk. It's RSL Playoff Talk. Dramatic finish. And now, ah, Seattle, the irony. We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. For the Utes in the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a trip to Tucson, Arizona for the Utes as they enter the home stretch of their Pac-12 schedule with a showdown against the Arizona Wildcats. Catch the Ute pregame show this Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Well, yabba-dabba-doo. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Ral Salt Lake's Interim head coach Pablo Mastroni. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333. Pablo, good morning. Morning, DJ. PK is here for a little Thunderbird High reminiscing. You guys are taking over the world. (laughs) And you have Demir to thank for it because he has extended the season. Have you gotten over that? When does the adrenaline high end? I don't know. I'm still, still, yeah, recovering from the lack of sleep from a couple (laughs) nights ago. It's been a a fun uh, moment to kind of replay and check out all the different angles. And, um, yeah, crazy times. So as I watch your team the last month, Pablo, it reminds me of being on the first tee at Cave Creek Golf Course. As I stand over <laughs> that ball, I don't know what's going to happen today. I know there's a chance that I could shoot maybe 78, 79, but I also know that there's a chance that I could shoot 92. And it's really frustrating because at the same time, I know it's within me, but I don't have the consistency. And I sort of relate that to your team. as has been a lot of... Uh, Exciting times, but some times that were disappointing, too. How do you find that consistency? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's a part of the process that we've been on, you know, taking over a team midseason, trying to change um, the mentality of the group and the way we want to go about doing things. And then we changed the formation um, because we didn't have certain players in certain positions and trying to get the most out of the players that we, that we had available. And so there's a lot of variables at play. Um, and 
you know, it's a lot easier when you have a six-week preseason and you know exactly what you're going to do and you're the same guy throughout the whole year. Um, but the one thing that is consistent, uh, DJ, is that you know you're going to finish the game the right way. Um, and that's what I'm most proud of. Um, however we started, whatever the scoreline is, you know with 10 minutes left, 15 minutes left, and this has been the common theme of this group, is that they're not going to give up and they still believe. Um, and I think it's that mentality and that consistency that actually saw us through to the playoffs. So you took the team from the uh, the four two three one into a three five two, and it led to wide open soccer. There were a lot of goals. Sometimes you gave up a lot of goals. Sometimes you scored a lot of goals. But man, it was up and down. It was exciting. What is the reaction when you go into the final game and you tell the guys, "Hey, we're switch we're switching back. We're we're going to play four and back again." What well, what was the reaction from the players? Well, you know, I think it was interesting. I think the guys up front um, kind of. We're, we're kind of shocked because I think, again, we're creating a lot of great opportunities and, um, and, and they really enjoyed that part. The guys in the back, I think, had a different perspective, which is, you know, we've conceded seven goals in the last, in, in the last two games. And, right? and so I think for me, my job is to strike a balance and, and make sure that uh, I do what I think is best for the group. And given that we were so open, as, as, as you rightly mentioned, um, how, do we, how do we kind of tame it back a little bit yet allowing certain players like Albert to find pockets to get on the ball and, and Demir to do his thing. And, um, and I think the, the, the interesting thing was, I think it was our most professional, our most disciplined uh, performance um, that we've had and going back to a four. And so the ability to go from a three to a four that quickly um, after not have done it, again, speaks to volumes of the amount of focus and concentration that these guys had going into the last, the last game of the season. So you start November 23rd against Seattle. What are you going to do in the meantime with the team? Well, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a balance, right? I think you, if you start tactics too early, then uh, you lose it. So what, what, what I want to do is, you know, on, on Friday, just show a little bit of Seattle and maybe talk about the buildup and how they like to press and how we could build out from the back. And then um, on Tuesday, maybe talk about the, the, the way that uh, we want to press from the top and, and, and how they and how they want to build out. And so just slowly start dropping um, the tactical pieces that will be important so it's not all done in like a two-day span. And in the meantime, making sure that they're enjoying, the, 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 you know, coming out to training every day, which is a lot of small-sided stuff, um, a lot of competition stuff, um, because I think that's been the important part. We've been competing um, in training, and I think that uh, that's kind of carried over to the games, and that's an important aspect as well. Pablo Mastroeni joining us, Real Salt Lake's uh, interim manager. Of course, you're the interim manager because Freddie left for Seattle midseason, and now you draw Seattle. And when I heard that, when we realized how everything was breaking there the last day of the season on Decision Day, I thought of you, and I can't remember what game it was, but there was a goal, and you, the camera was on you, and you're doing, the, they got a, you know, there's the mic'd up segment on the broadcast. And so we see you lean your head back, look up at the sky, and scream, The Universe! <laughs> and I thought the universe has brought Freddie together with RSL. What? How much does that matter to the guys? Because obviously there were some guys. I think Rubio Rubin was the most outspoken, but there were some guys. Man, that that was a that was a shot upside the head when they heard the news he was leaving for an assistance job in Seattle midseason. Yeah, I think. Listen, I think it's, it was it was a tough situation for everyone, um, and, uh, including Freddie. Yeah, it wasn't an easy an easy decision for him as well. Um, myself, I mean, it affected everyone, right? And uh, 
but but I think um, that that's the beauty of sport, and that's and that's how it works. And sometimes coaches get let go, sometimes they leave on their own. Um, but the onus is on those left behind to really pull together and and, and make it happen. And um, and so my challenge to the group was, you know, we can sit here and sulk and, and feel sorry for ourselves, but we all have to crack on because we all have lives to live. Um, and I think they all took that in stride. And and again, I think changing the formation to a three quickly kind of allowed us to separate from what we were doing um, in that time span. But it is it is crazy that 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 we're, we're you know we're in Seattle and Freddie was Freddie sent a text over to the staff after after our game. Um, that was nice. And and so. It'll be it'll be a great a great game, um, and obviously with with that side story in mind, I think uh, you know it'll it'll make it that much more uh, interesting as as we embark on the the quest to beat Seattle in Seattle. I'm wondering if it's had actually a unifying effect when you combine what what happened there, and then also with the flux of the ownership situation, maybe us against the world type of mentality. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think one of the one of the things that has been, you know, tough tough on the guys is not knowing what's going to happen next year. Um, and and you know, just kind of reiterating, we're all in the same boat, myself included. Right. Um, you know, so I think that is yeah, PK. I think that is a unifying moment um, and and pulling together and and trying to empathize with these guys because they want to make plans for their futures as well and. Um, but it's, it is, it, it galvanized the group. And, uh, I think that's a big part of, of, of the mentality is that we have to do this in here in this locker room because we don't know that anyone else's situation, but we know ours and we know what we want to achieve. And we know that we're all in the same boat. So let's do it together. Is it too obvious and you don't have to point it out or do you want to reiterate it because there are so many guys who can't help but think about, you know, where am I going to be living in January and February? It's not that far away. Uh, that everybody loves a winner and that getting into the playoffs increases all their value and advancing in the playoffs increases all of their value, not only to this club, but potentially to other clubs around the league as well. DJ, that's, that's what I've said from the beginning. I said that's the one, that's the one way to guarantee that you have a, a, a good situation for yourself next year um, is to win. Um, everyone loves winners, and everyone wants a little bit of that magic that's happening in that locker room um, with them. And so that's been a rallying cry from the beginning, especially when um, you know I took over. Um, and, and again, I knew less about people's contractual situations than Freddie did. So um, that was definitely a rallying cry and something that uh, that's really motivated this group for sure. So when you were playing high school soccer for Thunderbird, did you ever play that perennial power Cactus High School? You know, PK, at that time, Cactus, yeah, yeah, we did. We did play Cactus, but I don't know that they, uh, maybe they were actually. Yeah, probably my freshman and sophomore year, they were they were powerhouses. Yeah, you're right. That's the reason why I bring you're that right. up. Their coach, a man named Jack Aldersitz, was the best man at my wedding. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a small world. Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, I, uh, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, small world. Wow. <laughs> he was married to my sister and he was, wow. he was my mentor. He was, he's 10 years older than me, a little bit more, but he was the one guy who got me on the path to where I am today. Without him, I'm not even anywhere close to where I am right now. He was, he was my guy. And he died uh, at 58, way, way, way too young. But he started 
basically is viewed as the godfather of high school soccer in Arizona. In Arizona. Yeah, because yeah. he got it as a sanctioned sport. I remember being at Cactus at the first game. And uh, it was wow. it was a just a memorable experience because he played soccer back in New Jersey at Glassboro State, which is now Rowan. It's a sore subject. Uh, some guy donated a bunch of money and they changed the name. And so he came out west as as our family did, and he started soccer uh, in high school for Arizona. No so he's kind way. of a, kind of a uh, uh, a forefather for what you were able to accomplish just uh, just a few years later. It's amazing, it's, and it's amazing how much it's growing. Because I remember, at that time, soccer was just kind of a, a, a whatever sport. And then, but, we, but we, I, now that you say that about cactus, I remember going there, and they had a packed crowd my first my freshman year. Um, and at that time, I had a broken arm, so I didn't really play. Um, but but I remember the impact. Yeah, I remember that. And as as years went on, obviously, even in, at Thunderbird, my my senior year, we had probably a couple. A couple hundred, close to you know, five hundred people come into our games, and so just to see the growth over the years has been been amazing. Yeah, for sure. The press box is actually the field because they play football there too. But when it's uh, soccer, the right. field is named after him. Huh. So Pablo, not only did you go to the same high school as PK, but fortunately, then your you know your paths diverged. And while he went to Northern Arizona and ASU, you went to NC State. So were you channeling Jim Valvano when you were running up and down the sideline after the goal? Because I couldn't help but think about Valvano in the pit. <laughs> uh, well, my, my, my coach, uh, George Tarantini, was really good friends with uh, George Valvano. Uh, or Jimmy Valvano, sorry. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think they were kind of one and the same. And, and now that you say that, it, it evokes that memory of my, my, uh, my college coach running down the sidelines when we scored a goal like that. Um, but that's funny, yeah. I, I just kind of went blank. I didn't know, what, you know, because at, on the sidelines there we have uh, Theron, who, who's our, our head trainer. He's oh, he's the countdown, you know. So when when injury injury time, he'll give you two minutes, uh, minute and a half, one minute, <laughs> thirty seconds. And so we got to thirty seconds, and after thirty seconds, it goes radio silent. There's no more like ten nine. So it goes thirty seconds, and I'm watching. I said, you know, I'm thinking to myself, we still have a chance. The ball's over here. We still have a chance. And then the ball goes in, and I'm like, oh, my God. The last thing I remember was 30 seconds, and I'm like, there can't be much time. And then I go over to the fourth official after the, the, the craziness, and he says, yeah, there's 15 seconds left. And I was like, oh, my God. But, however, with that moment where I kind of lost consciousness and I went running down and I grabbed that ball, uh, the, the fourth official, like, whispered. It was like there was pandemonium, and I'm grabbing this ball off the stand there, and there's, like, a whisper, sit, and he says, Pablo, don't do anything stupid with that ball. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I kind of looked at because, like, I had a feeling of just wanting to punt this thing out of the stadium, you know, like, like childhood, like, ah, just let's let's like let's celebrate. And I heard this whisper, and so I put it back down, and it was just a really really interesting moment for sure. Well, and gosh, if you're doing that to get in, I want to see if you should you should win the whole thing. It's going to be berserk. <laughs> Yeah, who knows what happens if that would be the case. Uh, Well, Pablo, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, You got a little downtime for the guys who played Demir and Albert playing five games in 16 days, so a little downtime for them. And then uh, the 23rd, RSL at Seattle to open the playoffs, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing Freddie again, plus Garth Lagerway and Craig Weibel. A lot of RSL alumni working up in Seattle now. 
Yeah, it should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. The guys are, uh, like you said, Tommy and Albert have been Warriors playing these last five games, and uh, and really uh, the. Just lost him, huh? Yep, I think we still just dropped. Well, thanks Ian for coming on. We were right at the end anyway. But those guys have played a lot. They have run a lot and need a little downtime. They'll get it. And they do. They get it now, right? Exactly. The 23rd. So uh, it'll be up in Seattle on the turf up there, and we'll see how that goes. Seattle knocked him out up there a couple of years ago in a second-round game. Now they'll get him an opener. You going? Nope. Network Network TV. I'm not talking about as a broadcaster. I'm talking about as a diehard. (laughs) No. I mean, I get the broadcasting situation. Yeah, it's an FS1 game. I think Fox got it. Yeah, regardless, but I, I would think that you would go. Come on, man. Either you're in or all in the way or something like that. <laughs> Kyle Whittingham is now running RSL. He's just going to start mashing up different teams. You're a fan. You're going to be rooting for him to win. I'm going to be rooting for him to win. Nothing wrong with saying that. That's what we do. Locals losing is not good for business. Well, I want Locals him to win, win because of his connection. Pablo, I know. It's hard not to root for Pablo. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, Joe Ingles is about 15 minutes away. His weekly visit, usually on Thursdays, but they got a Thursday game this week. They got the Pacers. So Joe is going to join us in about 15 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, offensive lineman, BYU. That final walk in the 100 yards across Lavelle Edwards Stadium, how emotional was that for you? That's a cool tradition that we do, kind of that last walk in Lavelle. And, you know, I've always thought it was cool since my first year here. And, you know, it was a cool moment and everybody decided. And like I was saying, tons of great memories, tons of great experiences, lots of lessons learned and growth here. And, you know, regardless of what the future holds, it was special. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Football Friday is presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Question of the day, and we will have more time to get to this after Joe Ingles is going to join us in our next segment. But the Jazz shoot almost 40% from three and the win over the Hawks. They back? Are they here? Is this it? These are the guys. This is not it. They're not here. What? But they don't have to be here. I think the best thing about this win was nobody did anything that was extraordinary. I mean, Mitchell had a little run there and made some shots. But so what? Mitchell's showing up with uh, 27 points. Doesn't blow you away. That's pretty much his ballpark. Not at all. He didn't do anything that was even close to adding or, adding out of the ordinary. Steph Curry's scoring 50 out of the ordinary. Blows you away. Especially when you look at some of the shots he makes. Unbelievable shooter. The best we've ever seen. Uh, Mitchell, nice game. Great game. But nothing, no big deal. Really, when you think about it. Nobody really did anything... That was uh, mind blowing. Is too too strong, but uh, nobody I, had an extraordinary game. Nobody raising. has this one off eyebrow raising game. No, everybody's plugged in. Bogey went for eighteen. That's pretty normal. Clarkson gave him sixteen off the bench. Got his usual one. Joe board. Joe barely shot the ball. 
wasn't needed. Nope. Wasn't there. But, hey, they're tired. We should win the rebounds. We should dominate. You can hear Quinn talking about that. And Joe had four four boards, and the Jazz did dominate the backboards. Well, they're better. Yep. They won the backboards. They're plus 12 on the boards, which is a pretty big number. And that's a positive that you could sort of have a ho-hum game. Mitchell was a little bit better than a ho-hum game. Uh, and they withstood. Uh, Herder was just, uh, for a while there, wow. I mean, he was amazing. Uh, six of nine from three, and it seemed like uh, stretching a third quarter when they made their comeback that he just was not missing anything. Uh, so they withstood that. Uh, they're a better team than the Hawks, and they got the win. I mean, this is what what it's about. It's just put another win in the column and move it on. If there was anything that jumped out, it wasn't individually. It was that the Jazz dominated the backboards, and Quinn has talked forever about defending without fouling, giving us a chance to get out in transition. If you foul, you're not getting anything. You're not going to be able to run and get anything. And the Hawks only shot 10 free throws. That's a low number. So if you're looking for a number that catches your eye in a box score that's off, it's like 10 free throws for a whole team in an entire game. Quinn's got to like that. You know, they, and, and the Hawks shot over 50% from three, mostly, you said. And Herter was lighting it up, and, and, and Trey Young was hitting threes as well. Uh, Reddish came off the bench and lit it up. So as a team, they had a really good night shooting the three. But it didn't matter. They were down 15 going to the fourth quarter. Did it ever feel to you like in the fourth quarter they were going to make a run? It was a super low-scoring quarter for both teams. No. Yeah. Jazz get the win. Improved 8-3, and three, and do it again against the Pacers, who will also be coming in back-to-back. Pacers are in Denver tonight. Joe Ingles is next. Stay with us. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, we were just talking about your win over Atlanta and how it didn't seem like anyone did anything extraordinary. Everyone kind of did what they do, and sure enough, that was good for a double-digit win. Is that how you see it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think first off, uh, and Coach kind of said it right after, like it's hard to, to beat the same team twice in a row in, in a short period of time. So um, they were coming off a back-to-back last night, or it was the second game of a back-to-back. Um, I think they lost the night before as well, and, and obviously, uh, you know, at that point, and, and I think they had a couple guys out as well, um, and usually teams in those situations kind of find that little bit of energy, or there's some guys that don't play that, that get to get a chance to play um, and, and bring some energy, and so obviously we were, we were ready for kind of what what they were going to um, kind of throw at us and 
Um, obviously, Kevin Herder had a good game. Obviously, he's, um, oh, he's come off the bench, I think, all this year. And that's a perfect example. A guy gets to start and he gets, obviously takes advantage of it. But I think overall, um, yeah, just getting back to us a little bit after the last couple of games. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it, it was a good game to obviously first out be at home again and, and obviously get a, a decent win and, and build off that for tomorrow, I think. So you can go Jokic on Morris on one player in the NBA. Who would it be? No comment. <laughs> Patty Mills. No, 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 no come on. That's your best buddy. That doesn't count. You're no. not running over your best no, buddy. No, I, uh, I would never do. That, that was... It was uh, it was interesting. I've I've never seen him react like that. So obviously, either some stuff was going on in the game. I didn't watch the game. I just saw the clip of it. Um, I bet yeah, he's probably feels like he gets beat up most games down in the block as well. And guys play physical with him, and he probably was <laughs> enough is enough. And he's gonna. <laughs> I think he said. I think I saw his clip of the either the press conference or, or whatever it was, and he obviously he actually said he felt bad, but he was. He'd said too. He was just defending himself. So, um, yeah, a bit too much in my mind. I think he got suspended, or he probably will get suspended. Yeah, he got one but, game, um, and he probably knew that. And you kind of move on. Like I said, now someone in their team will will step in and probably play well, and he'll get a bit of a break. Come on, not LeBron, Westbrook, somebody. Come on, no comment. <laughs> the, list, the list would be too long. <laughs> okay, that's better. Now I like it. There you go. Nah, nah, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't. No matter how mad I was, I, I don't think I'd ever react like that. So, would you? Uh, you love to trash talk. Now, this is this is uh, you know this is fresh information here. The next time you see one of those guys, is this out of bounds, or you, might you find a way to mention it? We play Miami pretty soon I think um, and I only know that because it's a day game and the kids are coming <laughs> Saturday the, the Miller had told uh, Renee had told Miller that they were coming to a game so she's been talking about it for a few days now so um, oh, I might mention it to uh, the Morris twin but not in a uh, in a negative way but have a bit of fun with it I'm sure obviously again with anything you obviously hope he's alright first and uh, I think Someone said he was walking around locker room after, so um, I'm sure he'll be he'll be good to go. But yeah, obviously, if it comes up, it comes up. The league has been cracking down on drawing fouls and all that stuff. Yeah. And there was a thing with I think it was Trey Young, and it looked like he hooked your arm and all yeah. that, and it looked like that was what they're trying to go against. Uh, what did you think of that? Did they give you an explanation? Because it seemed like that was the very thing that they're trying to eliminate. Yeah, I mean, he, I thought he clearly hooked my arm like there was no other way about it. But um, I think in the in the past, he, he probably 98% probably would have been shooting or they would have given him free throws then, which is obviously more of the rule change. So I think obviously for them, they've got to determine from my understanding of the rule is they've got to determine whether he kind of engages my arm and locks it up and then it is an offensive foul or if it is obviously what they thought last night that my arm either just got caught in there or whatever it was. Um, 
but obviously the free throw thing is the thing that um, is getting taken away is the biggest difference in, in all of this. So, um, I mean, I, I think there was a stat or something I saw that all those players that usually shoot whatever, 8, 10, 12, 14 free throws a game is, is all down. Um, and I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that's what they've wanted. Yeah. Um, whether it be free throws or, or whatever it is, but the, the point of, yeah, not kind of manipulating the game, I guess, in not even in a negative way, but just uh, it's not necessarily the way we grew up playing basketball, right. like trying to find contact and, and get to the free throw line. Obviously, there was guys in the league that had found ways to, to do it and do it really well. Um, and I like kind of like, like it's kind of like credit to them. Like why, if there's a rule that you can kind of manipulate and, and get 10 free throws off, why wouldn't you do that if you're playing the amount of minutes to, to do that? Um, it's free points and usually most guys are pretty good at free throws. And um, so obviously that's the kind of the, the key behind it is just trying to, I don't know if it like opens up the game more or whatever their kind of reasoning was, but yeah, just just more of. I guess the, the biggest thing is it not being like a necessary like. In my mind, you, as a kid, we didn't grow up doing that. We right. would if you got fouled shooting, you got fouled. But if not, then you just play. <laughs> um, so it has been. I, I think there's. It's definitely been different, and and guys have been trying to like we, we've had our fair share of like thinking Donovan got fouled or thinking Rudy got fouled, like whatever, whoever it was at a certain time and, and they're letting stuff go. So yeah, as a, as a team and as players, you've just got to figure out how they're calling the game in a particular game and for the season and, and adjust. And I think we've done a, we've done a pretty good job. I think Donovan's had like one offensive foul this year through it. But, but apart from that, I think we've been pretty good. So, I don't, I don't know if you're the perfect guy to ask this, but you're the one on our show, so I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, this offensive, you know, the whole way the game is being refereed, some people are saying, well, that's why three-point shooting is down. The Jazz numbers, are, as a team, have been way below. Uh, now, yours, you're shooting 43%. You're, you're basically just doing what you're doing, which is why you're not maybe the perfect guy to ask this. But the Jazz numbers are down. The numbers all across the league are down. Even the teams that are shooting it pretty well at the top of the league stats aren't where teams at the top of the league stats are. And people have said it's the new ball. People have said it's the way the game is being refereed. It's definitely not the bloody ball. <laughs> All right. It's not the bloody ball. Uh, some people are saying it's just a couple weeks lighten up. When you look back in two or three weeks from now, the numbers will be back to normal. What do you think about that, given you're a guy who is pretty much shooting what he shot the last few years? Yeah, I mean... Um... I mean, I like. I think. I think I said it last. Time, like, I would never blame the ball or whatever refereeing or like if I felt like I wasn't shooting well or whatever it was, I would kind of with myself and and Bailey try and figure out like what am I doing wrong or am I not getting good shots or am I taking bad shots or like why is my percentage down um, for a month or for a week or, or whatever it is. Um, I think there's some games that you. You might shoot bad in a game and it might just be like you just didn't... I mean, there's so many things like you didn't catch the ball right on one or you didn't just didn't have that feeling. It's what what we go through is sometimes you just don't have that like kind of like that touch of like how, how, how sometimes it feels like you're never going to miss and sometimes it feels like you can't kick it in the ocean. Like it's one of those things. Um, 
the refereeing, I don't think it plays a massive part because the rules are still... Like, if you shoot a three and they land in your space or you get hit on the arm or, the, like, they kind of hit your body, like, you're still getting shots for them. It, like, the hooking rule and the, the, they're, the, they're the kind of biggest rule changes, I guess. So, um, I mean, I think for our team, we actually talked about it, or Coach talked about it the other day, like, for us to have the record we're having and I think we're up there still pretty high in, like, offensive rating in terms of how we're playing, we're still getting good shots. We're still moving the ball like we kind of usually do. There's, there's different times that we don't. There's different times that we will shoot better than others, obviously. But um, our, our shooting number, I think more mainly our three-point percentage is down on what it was last year and, and probably previous years. But um, the flip side of that, like we're still, whatever our record is, and we're still playing reasonably well and, winning games um, so I was like oh well, those for us those numbers we feel like are going to even out eventually um, whether it be sooner or later or I think we as a team pride ourselves in, in trying to get the best shot every time and I think if we keep doing that then obviously our percent we're going to get be getting open looks and, and overall we're a pretty good shooting team if you look at our roster so um yeah, I mean, we don't, we haven't kind of, I guess, dove into it that much. Coach will obviously bring it up at different times and, and talk about it. And um, But, yeah, I think over the course of a year and e- even individuals, like, I mean, JC is a good example just because it's probably more of an obvious one. Like, he's had a couple of bad shooting games. Like, JC is not going to be like that all year like I would be so confident in saying that that he's his numbers will go to where they probably either usually are or, or maybe better and I mean a part of it too I think for our team is like JC was just the sixth man of the year like they're gonna scout him we were we just had the best record we like Donovan is done like guys are preparing for us guys are gonna teams are gonna give us their best shot teams are gonna prepare for JC because they saw what he did last year and and what he did against certain teams and they're, they're going to be ready for him. So we've all gone through that as individuals and and obviously as as, as a team. So um, yeah, there's so many factors that kind of go into it. But I think at the end of the day, I think our numbers will always be give or take what they normally are because we do play the right way and we get good shots and we um, again will more 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 than not make those shots. How long does it generally take for new teammates to assimilate and everybody's together knowing what they're going to do? Oh, it's always different. Um, obviously, individuals sometimes take longer than others to, to pick up the whole concepts of, of how you're playing. And I mean, if you're moving around teams every year, you, it might even just be the wording of it. I think Hassan was saying to coach one day, like, what? what we call channel they would call something else like it's just little things like that that and what they called channel might be another word that we use for something else so as in the heat of the moment he hears that word and he thinks we're doing something different it's just like little little bits and pieces and obviously as you guys know our game plan is pretty um in depth and the the wording is is different (laughs) coach prides himself on um 
quirky words. Just <laughs> he, he even says part of it's like funny, so that we probably remember it better because it is like a funny word or, or, or the way he'll explain it. But um, yeah, it always takes time. And uh, I mean, we're lucky we've only got really a couple new guys, and um, they've been really good. Like Rudy Gay, obviously is mainly been watching practice and, and being involved here and there, but picking things up at practice and, and Hassan's obviously playing in the games, Eric's playing in the game, so you're picking up on the fly some of it, but um, yeah, we've we've been pretty good. You can always, obviously you always want to be a little bit tighter in something or, or understand something a bit better or, or whatever it is, but um, yeah, we're, we're in a pretty good spot and, and again, like I said, we're, we're still winning games for the most part, um, I mean, you lose to a pretty tough team in Miami, obviously Chicago and Chicago, and a young, kind of energetic um, team that came out on the front foot in Orlando that we was probably more our fault than them playing. Like, we feel like if we'd done a couple more things here and there, we'd probably win that game. So, um, yeah, we, we feel like we're in a pretty good spot all around. Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. As a guy with a family, how excited do you get when you look at the schedule and see 9 out of 11 at home? You're going to be home with the kids until December. There's no long road That's trip. That's the kids. Kids. I'm sorry, my Australian <laughs> accent blows. Not as good as you are. Um, you have a quality one, PK. Yes, very, very excited. Um, I think especially with having like a, whatever it was, six, seven-day trip, and then we were home for like 48 hours, and then we went on another week-long trip so um, I mean obviously you guys know that my family is very very much higher on the priority list than anything else and just to be able to take them to school I just dropped Miller off at school then and, and be able to pick her up later and, and take her to swimming this afternoon and, and just be somewhat regular <laughs> try and be a, a regular dad that does things for his kids obviously there for his kids it's not in another state or traveling or, or doing something with his, with, with work. So, um, yeah, be able to spend time with Jack and obviously be now with Renee back from the, the marathon and all that as well, just to be able to, to all be home at the same time and spend some time together. And, um, Renee's mum's in town. So for Renee to spend some time with her mum now and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very, uh, relaxing. Ah, so the grandma has come. Is that the first time to see? Well, he's not a newborn. He's still a newborn to an extent, but uh, what, about a year? Yeah, a newborn that turns one next week. Yeah. Um, Yes, first time um, of her, well, him meeting anyone. (laughs) (laughs) He's lived a pretty sheltered life this past year. Um, But even, yeah, obviously for Jack to to meet her and, and obviously her spend time with her, but for Renee to see him, it's been two and a half years since she saw her mum, which is um, pretty yeah, hard. So, that long, huh? Yeah. Um, I mean, the last time, this is a, probably the perfect example, but the last time she saw the twins, Jacob was nonverbal. And Jacob's ah. at a level now that, like, he speaks better than we do. Can't get him to <laughs> shut up now. Yeah, he doesn't shut up. <laughs> He's like uh, you on the court. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like for her to hear his voice for the first time and um, like be able to ask her for things and, and talk to her, it's obviously a pretty emotional thing for her as well to, to be able to see that. But that just kind of shows you how how long it's been. And obviously we understand it's the world we live in and there's a lot of people probably going through that as well. But um, 
yeah, it's, it's been Miller was pretty excited. Miller and her are, are very close, and um, so it's been good. She's been here for oh, coming up ten days now. She leaves on leaves this weekend, so um, yeah, that's uh, it's good. But then Renee's heading back as well. Renee will get the summer there for she's going to go home for like four or five weeks after Christmas to see everybody else and let Jack meet the family and all the borders in Australia have started to open up. So um, life's getting to somewhat normal again. So Renee and the kids are going? They are. They're leaving me. So I'll be uh, I'll be extremely miserable for about four, <laughs> four or five weeks. So if anyone uh, wants to try and question me, that's why. And they can, I won't say the words I want to say, but um, so you'll be yeah, grouchier we'll be than normal? I will be. <laughs> on some days. The first night I'll have a really good sleep and it'll be really exciting and then I'll get over it after that. Um, but yeah, it's, they're going to go just after Christmas. So we'll obviously have Christmas together because that was a bit of a non-negotiable and Renee obviously understands that I want to have Christmas with the kids and obviously Jack's, Jack's first Christmas. Um, but then, yeah, a couple of days after that, they'll head home and... It's summer in Australia then as well, and um, I mean it's as bad as it will be for me. They they need to go home. They need to see family. They need to see friends and cousins. And Renee's brother's got one and a half year old twins that we've never met, and um, a lot <laughs> a lot's changed in two and a half years since the last time we were able to go home. So it'd be so, it'd be good for her to get back and, and see everybody. Twins run in the family then, huh? Yeah, it's kind of disgusting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, her brother had uh, little twin girls. Obviously, we've got twins. Her aunties are twins. Her aunties are the twins had twins. <laughs> um, so her, Renee's actually got a younger sister that probably isn't exactly ready to have kids right now, but uh, is scared of the fact of, <laughs> two, two, two out of two of the siblings have had twins, and she's the third. And um, yeah, it's good times. Busy, busy, busy times when we go home. Well, Joe, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, that's all. That's all out there in January. You're 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 home with the kids for a few weeks now, so you can soak that up. And Jazz fans are looking forward to going to a bunch of home games. That is true. I'll probably, by the time that comes around them going home, I'll probably be ready for them to leave. But then 24 <laughs> hours later, I'll be, I'll be the grumpy guy that you mentioned, grouchy or whatever you said. Yeah, gr- grouchy. Yeah, got it. I'll just come to you. Make sure uh, you guys have dinner cooked for me and stuff. Oh, easy. I'll need, oh yeah. Sure, yeah. We'll have you I've already told my teammates and all the Miller School friends' parents that any night that they want, want to have me over for dinner, I'll be more than happy to, uh, <laughs> to come over. All right. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Now Joe's Twitter timeline will be full of dinner invitations for the month of January. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Jazz fans like, come on over. We're having ribs. That come on be... over. We got the pasta. We're ready to go. Vegemite. Ve- yeah, that's, that a, that's be, a bridge too far. That would be awesome to have Have you Joe tasted England. Vegemite? I don't think uh, I have. That is Did you call me a rapper? Not good. Oh. We're hearing you unwrap your food over there. Oh, my energy bar. I need some energy. Or else I'll be grouchy. I have not had Vegemite. No, I've never. I've never been to Australia. I'm not the world can, traveler that you can been. get Vegemite in the United I'm not, States. But regardless, I'm not the world traveler. I've never been on it's a uh, charter, and I haven't been to Australia. I haven't been to Europe. I haven't been to South America. All these places. I know you spent a couple of years down there. <laughs> 
You do not know that because it's not true. <laughs> it's just a lie. Okay, okay, stop winking. <laughs> we all know it was Asia. Come on now. We've heard all about the... You're going to have to take a, a vacation and go to Italy. You're going to have to go to Europe. Duh. You can hit some other places, but we've heard too much about you and the Italian food over the years. you got to go to Italy. I know. I agree. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280. The Zone, the question of the day next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, offensive lineman, BYU. That final walk in the 100 yards across the Bell Edwards Stadium, how emotional was that for you? That's a cool tradition that we do, kind of that last walk in Lavelle. And, you know, I've always thought it was cool since my first year here. And, you know, it was a cool moment and everybody's excited. And like I was saying, tons of great memories, tons of great experiences, lots of lessons learned and growth here. And, you know, regardless of what the future holds, it was special. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 Zone. 1280 The Zone, the question of the day. The Jazz shot almost 40% from three in the win over the Atlanta Hawks. Are they back? Is this who these guys are? You always edit my questions. It bugs me. I mean, last week you took out Friggin on one of them. Let's roll with it. Have some spontaneity. Have some fun. I did. That's why I edited it. Such a button up dude. I don't know. You always got to clean it up. David says the Jazz are consistently inconsistent. No, they're not. That's not true at all. He wants them to be 82 and 0. Well, that's so the twenty gone. The twenty losses are the inconsistent part to him. The best that they can be is seventy nine so, and three. Seventy nine and three, which is not going to happen. Oh, it'd be incredible. No, I mean, if, gosh, if I would take twenty five losses, twenty certainly take twenty. Twenty five lo- yeah, sixty two and twenty. Sign up for that right now. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I don't view them as inconsistent. I mean, they've been consistently missing shots, so that's consistent. Shooting 32% as a team from Not a positive consistent. Through 10 games. I think they know, too, that it's all about pacing. Now, you hear often it's all about spacing. But I say it's all about pacing. Drop the S. Right. And I usually do drop the S. hey oh. <laughs> <laughs> And... Pacing yourself and while still be eight and three is in a pretty good position. <laughs> that is an, that's better than pretty good. That's an awfully good spot. Yeah, the Warriors are nine and one now, right? Or yep. eight one. You got the best one? record in the NBA. So go not go through the motions. That's too that's too casual and that's too, that's not a good representation of Anybody who plays any type of uh, but they are pacing. They're pacing themselves, but not in a casual manner. I agree, but they're pacing themselves. Mike Conley isn't playing back to backs. That's an example of pacing yourselves. I mean, they could go for it. There might be a price to pay later. I think in our minds, you and I minds, there probably would be a uh, a price to pay for it later. So you pace yourself. And the two games he sat, it's hurt him. They've lost those games, but. They're eight and three. They got the second best record in the NBA. Yeah, what's cool is that Joe can vividly remember each loss. I'm feeling that I'm thinking that the Pelicans cannot remember each loss now. <laughs> They're just piling up. 
One and ten. All right, so that's not a good spot to be in. The uh, Jazz, he, he vividly recalls, and he was right about the Orlando game. You know, play a little bit better, you probably win that. But, you know, good for Orlando, the upstart team with the young dudes doing what they do, and they got you, so be it. Uh, I like the spot of them checking off games. Yeah, And the, and the good thing about it is you'll check them off and we'll get to Christmas, right? And you'll check that off, and then you'll get to, like, little milestone. Martin Luther King weekend is uh, pretty much the halfway point of the season, and all-star break, and you come back in March, and then you really start to hone in on it. And this is a very veteran ball club, and it's veteran coaching staff, at least with the head coach and Alex as the assistant. Some other guys have changed, but the nucleus of the team and the coaching staff has been here for a good while now. And it's all stor- all sorts of stability, which has defined this franchise for so many years and I think has been a, a critical component for their success. And here we are. We've changed. Everything has changed. And we still have the same type of consistency. So to say that they're consistently inconsistent, I would agree. I would disagree about as much as I can disagree because... The one thing that defines this franchise, now we're going back to multiple owners, is consistency and doing what they do. I think my favorite in all of that was everything has changed, but they're still consistent. <laughs> right. But I get your point. They've undergone massive change in, since Jerry Sloan stepped down. And, you know, with Quinn Snyder, was he in the eighth, ninth year now? How many years has he been doing this? I want to say eight. Yeah. But I'd have to look it up. Well, it'd be interesting to see how many teams have changed coaches in the time that he's been Ooh boy. Yeah. as the Jazz head coach and how many teams have changed coaches multiple times in the time that he has been the Jazz head coach. And now we'll see. Maybe there'll be some more change uh with the new owner, but it doesn't seem like he's changing the team. You know, maybe changing some other stuff and putting his stamp on it, and that's understandable. He owns the team and do what he wants. Uh, but as far as the product on the floor, and it's only been a year, so it's not that long anyway, I don't really know that you can notice any difference of the product out on the floor. I, I don't see any. It is Quinn's eighth year. He's in his eighth season. And I think the difference in the product is it's just, it's a little better. This is the first time Quinn's gotten off to an 8-3 and three start. His teams tend to start slow, then they play better, then they finish fast. And you could go back to his first year, and the, the level of what isn't good, what is mediocre, what is their best ball, that changes as the talent level of the team changes. But the way it has trended throughout the season has been really consistent. And he hasn't had a season where they've come out red hot and then gone south. So if it's eight and three, it doesn't leave you a lot of room to get better if you're going to break the season into eleven. But this is what should it, sh- it should be. They because should the be off to is, this start. The team has uh, added veterans 
and the team, there's more familiarity. I mean, going back to what you said about Sloan, he used to say all the time, you got to let guys play together two, three, four years. This is a game where stuff's happening real quick and guys just have to react and know what teammates are going to do. And you only get that when they play together over a long period of time. I think the number one reason why they got off, why I expected them to get off to this start and why they have, is Mitchell. He's better. He's a superstar. He is at the level now where he is a bona fide star. Certainly an all-star, but a candidate for first-team All-NBA. You have to look at the numbers. And you have to get past guys who were, but no longer are. It happens to every one of them. And the good thing about it is we've got many years of Mitchell before he no longer is, right? LeBron James now, he's hurt, all right? He's pushing 38, right? He's hurt. Well, that's what happens when you get older. (laughs) And Westbrook is not the same player. Guys that we would normally put in that first-team All-NBA discussion anyway, whether they make it or not, but the, the discussion, now we have to step back a little bit because of their advanced age and their injuries and and Westbrook uh, trying to fit in with a different team and all. So there's a new generation of guys, and Mitchell is in that generation. As far as a guard in the Western Conference that I might take over him, Doncic? Steph Curry? Or Steph Curry's 33, so even as awesome as he is right now... He doesn't have enough of a future. If I'm talking about this season, obviously he's a tremendous player. The best. Yeah. You can't say enough about him. The, just remarkable. Now, but he's 33 now before, years old. Before Twitter explodes with positionless basketball and who's a guard and who isn't a guard. <laughs> well, I still I think we identify guards or or perimeter guys. You know, maybe there's a different term. I think the days of point guard shooting guard are gone. Because if you're a point guard and you can't shoot, you're not in this league playing big minutes. The game has changed. And don't we're not taking shots at John Stockton. He would be just fine today. He, he would shoot a lot more. Yeah, he wouldn't have as many assists, but he'd have more points, and he would win. He's a Hall of Famer, and that's never changing, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So don't get all excited about that. Uh, he still has his place in the game, and it's a. F- and every single player who ever touched the basketball would take his place. Uh, you, maybe you had to. You, maybe you can gamble and and get better, Jordan, whomever. I'm sure, but I think that they're still they're still recognized. I mean, you look you look at and you listen to what Quinn Snyder says. They recognize Mike Conley as their point guard. But then they also quickly will tell you they've got Donovan and Joe who can... It's basically... Point guards now have become offensive initiators. Yes. The OI. Right. You're not a PG. You're an OI. So no one would say, I wouldn't think, that Paul... If you, told, if you went up to people and said, Paul George, guard or forward? I think people would say forward. But he'll initiate the offense. You're saying forward because of his height. Yeah. Because he will initiate the offense. I mean, if he comes, nobody looks at it on the so other teams. So he's an OI. 
Nobody looks at him right. as, as he comes across midcourt with the ball and says, ah, don't worry about that guy. He can't initiate the offense. You're going to see this that. in the coming years in the basketball registry, OI. Offensive initiator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just dreaming up new stuff left and right. Well, that's what they are. Can you initiate the offense? If the answer is yes, then to an extent, right. you're old school point guard. Joe, again, because of his height. Nobody looks at him and thinks he's a guard. But they see him coming down the right side of the floor and they say, Rudy, and think, oh, here comes the pick and roll. That's where the designation of positions gets all blurry. Is old school. Are you... Basically, Magic wasn't... He's the ultimate. He's the, the best originator of offense in the history of the game. <laughs> he is. And that's why Bolo would drop. Stockton was the best pure point guard because Magic was 6'9 and didn't necessarily defend point guards. They'd slide him over to somebody else. He want to try and stay in front of some 6'2 dude. <laughs> no, thank you. Hey, Byron Scott, get over here. Defend that guy. It's going to be really hard. I'll be over here. Yeah, Cooper come in and do it. Uh, so, yeah, sure. But that's, what, that's the way I look at it now. And are you a prolific three-point shooter? Or you're good enough. You don't necessarily have to be prolific if that's great if you are. But are you good enough to... Yeah, you can't be let. You can't, they can't yeah, leave Royce O'Neal. He's not a prolific three-point shooter. But if he's hitting a couple threes, three or four threes a game, nobody's batting an eyelash about that whatsoever. Right? I'm not anymore. No. He's worked himself in. He's a solid rotational player. And he's able to hit some threes. And, and he fulfills his role. So are you that? Yeah. I mean, that's the composition of teams now. And you, you have to have guys who can initiate the offense. And the more you have, you, can't, you don't really need 10 of them. But you need to have multiple. And you look at this ball club, and they've got multiple. Whenever they need them. And the great great thing about Joe is that he's content taking a lesser role in a given game as long as they're winning. But if you need him to really step it up, he's there for you more often than not. That that's a valuable member of your rotation, you know, particularly with with Colney and will knock on wood and don't have any other injuries that are uh, serious going forward. Probably something's going to happen. Was thinking about how you said Indiana. That was that was the game last year, wasn't was it not? Was it in the Indiana game that he got hurt? Yeah. Put a different spin on the end of the year. That's for sure. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. So who knows what's ahead? But you have these guys who can do that, and and that's and that's what they're doing. They're they're off to the start that I fully expected them to be off. The only surprise is they're not shooting the ball as well, and individually, it's Clarkson. But he's such an odd duck that if I was going to pick out one guy to have a shooting slump and not affect him mentally, it would be him. You know he's a streak shooter, so he's just having the bad streak now. But the hot streak will come. But doesn't it seem like... Of all the players, like when Conley first got here two years ago, he was struggling. And you saw it in his body language. And he made a couple shots. And he 
uh, he, he just kind of mocked himself a little bit with a self-deprecating smile or whatever. Like, oh, finally. But Clarkson just seems like he just rolls through it, man. 0 for 15, 14 for 15. There's really no difference. 99 straight games with the three. Well, start with the obvious question. You you got a reaction to the streak being broken? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just started laughing. I'm watching on my laptop sitting at the table. I was like, what's so funny? A dude said no. And I, I've told her about him. I'm like, this guy. Oh, your baby mama? Really. My wife. Yeah. This guy's really unusual. And he's hilarious. How many NBA players would seriously consider the question? He did. There was a long pause. And then say no. There are guys who would say no, but they say no in a tenth of a second. No, I don't think about stuff like that. Well, yeah, he's, he's just, the one dude that I would believe it. I know. He's a different dude, and he's hilarious. Yeah. Do not miss his post games. You never I'm, know what he's going to do. The whole thing about, uh, you know, you go to the arena this year. Yeah, a lot. I've got <laughs> a phenomenal, phenomenal Ron Boone story. Stories. Really? That I need to share. All right. <laughs> a long time ago, before I was doing morning radio with you, I was doing morning radio with Ron Boone. I love Ron Boone stories. I'm looking forward to this. We'll do it next. DJ and PK at 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After 10 long, grueling weeks, it's finally a bye week for Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars. But just because the Cougars have the week off doesn't mean the coverage slows down on the Zone Sports Network. Keep it locked all week on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the home stretch of the Cougar football season. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK at 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, PK, you teased before the break. You got Ron. You said, I've got a Ron Boone story, and then you amended it. Stories. Yes. So these can go in a couple different directions. I would not be surprised if you had golf stories. He loves his golf. You love your golf. There's that. Or you just got some jazz-oriented stuff. I have golf with Ron Boone. Okay. This was this is a golf story. Does not involve me. So at uh, about six thirty last night, I'm. I told you I watched the college basketball, mm-hmm. but I, it, it's a hard time for me to get into. It's hard to get into it because I know that you know they want to build it up at the Garden and they have Curter Herb Street with the playoff and all that. So that's great. But I look at these teams, they're going to go to the tournament, and they're, they're high-level teams, uh, Michigan State and, uh, who was it, Kansas. So I was flicking around. I couldn't, I couldn't stay with it. I stayed with it early. Yeah. By 6, the Utes were underway, so you had that. Jazz weren't going yet. Cougars were later. So I flick around a little bit and uh, come to the Golf Channel. And they have this thing called the Ace Shootout. And it's clearly in Maui. One of the islands, one of the two islands over there that I've been to. And they have two guys, two entertainers, two baseball players, two basketball players, two football players. And they've got this, like, basically a skills challenge. You've got to, they've got, uh, like, laundry baskets set up in a pyramid about 20 yards away. And you got to try to. Chip it and knock off as many laundry baskets 
You know, like five. Oh, I thought four, they were going to have to. Three, two, you, one. I thought you were going to have to Phil Mickelson loft shot and drop it in. No, you got to hit a rocket into it and right. knock the thing over. So, though, you speaking of rocket, the baseball one of the baseball guys was Roger Clemens. Oh, the rocket. All yeah. right, and uh, it was the twenty twenty one. So it it was fairly recent. And so, yeah, guys were taking six irons and just, boom, hitting shots. Mm-hmm. And then they had uh, chipping uh, contests. And so, you you know, they had circles. So you get 10 points if it's a close, eight points, you know, the circles around, mm-hmm. s- stretching out. And then uh, drives, uh, distance and accuracy. And they total up the points. And the basketball guys... One of the basketball guys was Ron Boone. Nice. Yes. Ron got himself a trip to Maui to play some golf. And and he, on the basket thing, he did extremely well. He hit one, and it hit just right, and it dropped like four of them. <laughs> yeah. Nice. He took off his hat. He's holding up because there's fans there. I think it's probably family and friend, uh, fans in the area who happen yeah. to be there. I don't know if it was at Kapalua or what. I'm not sure. It looked like it was Maui to me because you can see uh, well, Lanai out in the distance, that other island, the small island. And uh, his playing partner was a former jazz player. Jeff Hornacek. No. This guy loves, loves, loves his golf. Mehmet Okur. No. All right, well, I'm picking guys who love golf. <laughs> so those are probably two of the guys. Darren Williams. I was going to say Darren Williams. Yes. D-Well. <laughs> I was going to say. I knew you'd get it. Because we know Williams is. Loves his golf. Yeah. Addicted to golf. Yep. So it was the two of them were uh, representing the skills challenge. Uh, football was uh, Mark Bulger and quarterback, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the other guy. From the Rams, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And as I said, Clemens, because he was obviously identifiable. I don't remember the other guy. And the two entertainers were good golfers. There's plenty of guys who were. Oh, oh, I know. It was entertainers was the uh, uh, Heigl's husband, Kevin Heigl. Uh, I, I know who she is, but I don't know who she married. Well, she married uh, an entertainer, and he, his brother is the lead singer for Lady Antebellum. Josh Kelly? Yeah, I guess they call him Lady... Uh, Lady A now. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so both of those brothers are way into golf. So he was there uh, golfing, as and I forget who the other entertainer was. So, and Bulger... Doing and they're all obviously they're all pretty good. So the Ron Boone night continues in my household. So I watch that a little bit, and I see him there. And you know, and as I said, I've golfed with him multiple times, and he's got a beautiful swing. And then I flick the channel, and I go to the NBA channel, and they're replaying Magic Johnson's first NBA game. I saw that. Against your San, San Diego, Diego Clippers. Clippers. And I'm sure yeah. you were a diehard San Diego Clipper fan at that time. I was. And Ron Boone's on the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> Booners everywhere. Yes. So, so I texted him. I said, this is Ron Boone night in my household. <laughs> I said, the golf was now, this year because it was 2021. Uh-huh. I said, I assume it's Ace Hardware. I don't know, because it just said Ace Shootout. And then the... I did not know 
that Ron Boone. I knew he was on the Lakers. You just know it was then. I didn't know it was that very. He was on that, and he played in that game because he took his shot. The shot clock was, or the quarter was running out, and he took. A, he got the ball real quick. Had to fire up a shot from the corner. I thought that looks like a Ron, Ron Boone. Boone. <laughs> so, and they didn't say. And the announcers. This guy is friggin' everywhere. Just everywhere. The play-by-play guy for that game is Brett Musburger. <laughs> I mean, that guy. Yeah. And the color commentator, Rod Hundley. Hot. Yeah. So both of them, and that was the one uh, Abdul-Jabbar hits the hook shot uh, to and win the Magic game. And Magic jumps in his arms, and yeah. Kareem looks at him like, well, you calm down. And uh, Rod Hundley did the on-court interview with Abdul-Jabbar uh, talking about that. And the one thing I noticed, so I actually looked it up. Is that Ron Boone? And so I called it up, and yeah, he played 15 minutes or so. He was on that team. I think Cooper was uh, Cooper was uh, first or second year, um, and they had um, Abdul Jabbar, Norm Nixon would have uh, been on that team. Yeah, was I think Wilkes was on that team. He was Spencer Haywood. Oh, really? Yeah, who's a big name back when, mm-hmm. right? Didn't he do something about coming out of college or something early and? Was one of the landmark hardship? Cases. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's how he got out early. Hardship. Yeah, yeah. And so he was on that team. Don Ford was on that team. He actually made the inbound pass to Abdul Jabbar for the hook. And it was and and Kareem said it was supposed to be a lob to Magic, but they had that uh, covered. So he came up and he took the uh, hook shot from the right elbow. <laughs> Imagine you don't even see hook shots at, at point blank range anymore, hardly. And he took one, was a free throw, free throw yep. distance, and he nailed it, and they won by uh, they won by one. And the one other thing I noticed, and I know you wouldn't notice this, you, you don't want to get into that, but nobody had any tats. It's a different era. They were all tat free. <laughs> they looked beautiful. In that era, you would have been a, uh, a Navy veteran if you had a tat. I'm not a tat guy. Now you know, you can have all the tats you want, and I know you don't want to. You don't I grew want, up around way more tats than you. You don't want to judge people who have tats, and I'm not judging them either. I don't like tats. I don't know what to tell you. I don't like them. I have that right not to like them. If you want to get them, go ahead and get them. But they're all tat-free. And they all had a lot of hair. Which Abdul-Jabbar has none now. <laughs> he's in his nope. 70s, is he not? Yeah. Yeah, what a player. I always thought he was, for a superstar, I always thought he was like the most underappreciated superstar. Because he's never mentioned for six NBA titles, same as Jordan. Yeah. NBA's all-time scoring leader. Yeah. Phenomenal player. One early, one in his prime, one late. We've never seen a player like him since, have we? No. Never seen that shot either. There are some big guys who can shoot jump hooks, but you don't see it really outside of five or six feet. They're all right around the hoop. And there's none of that plant your foot, swing left, hook right, like Chick used to say. Yeah, none which of, is just a that. beautiful move. Yeah, but nobody else does So it. graceful. So obviously so tall, but so graceful. But it took him a long time to develop it. He well, started in elementary and he got developed better in high school and then Wooden worked with him in college. So it's in one of his books. He's my all-time center. And now I'm biased, 100% biased. And there's plenty of good competition there. I, I I got it, but I Bill He's Bill Russell guy. and, uh, and Will Will Chamberlain came before him, and they're not my guys. Shaq came after him. 
I saw, obviously I saw Shaq. Yes, yeah. I did see Shaq. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. College football fans, gather around the radio. What is the key? What And maybe not what is the right thing, but what is the wrong thing? What is the big pothole? And it's a time of year, PK, when people start driving straight into that pothole. Ouch. Avoid it. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's already started. Teams firing coaches left and right. TCU, Gary Patterson, out. Texas Tech not only fired a coach, hired a new one. USC and Washington State. Looking for coaches. Plenty of people around the Pac-12 wondering if another job or two might come open. Looking at ASU, looking at Washington. I suppose looking at UCLA, although I wouldn't think that one comes open. Rumors that Justin Wilcox will take the Washington job, which then would make it Cal be open. Yep. They turn my mic back on? I'm loud enough. I don't need no stinking mic. So you were doing a little research for the Utah-Arizona game. Came yeah, up with a cover for the station. Stunning juxtaposition. <laughs> nice. Thank you. <laughs> What is true about one team is definitely not true about the other. No, you look at Arizona, and obviously they've bottomed out. I think we'd all agree on that, right? They lost uh, 19 in a row. 20. 20. Yeah, yeah you're right, 20. 20, and then they snapped yeah. it before it hit 21. Yeah, well, you look at you know, you know look at their program. They've never been a world beater. They've never been a national power, but most teams in the conference are not national powers. Uh, but if you look at it in the 80s, uh, Larry Smith... Uh, took over uh, from Tony Mason in 1980, right? And so he goes and gives him a couple years, seven and three, seven and four, eight and three, nine and three. One year they went four, four and three. <laughs> How about that? That would be a weirdly unsatisfying year. Dick Tomey's first year. And in, in conference they were two, three and three. Right. And so Smith... You know, he had eight and three, eight, three and one, I think it was. And and then he goes nine and three. Then he gets the SC job. And I was working for the Daily Breeze at the time when he got the SC job. So I remember it well. And Tommy comes in and does pretty well. You know, they have uh, winning seasons like seven out of eight years. 1991, they're four and six, four and seven, I think. But then he bounces back and they've had... Three double-digit win seasons, and Tommy had two of them. Well, reminds me of Rocky Long. Expectations, because Rocky did so well in New Mexico, considering that uh, it has one of the worst recruiting bases in all of college football. Just awful. The client, the population of New Mexico the population is crappy. Is tiny. It's about and, a million people, and the people yeah. are tiny. <laughs> Their genetic makeup is not made for football. <laughs> when when you look at Utah, Utah overproduces, and you look at the Polynesian culture. Right. Think, well, okay, you've got more big guys, and how many linebackers, and defensive linemen, and offensive linemen? They fall off trees here. <laughs> and so let's not, go check to New Mexico for their. Right. Number of Samoans and Tongans. They're not and, very many. Not happening. Yeah. And plus, yeah. They're, they're, you know, they're and the number is thousand just a, miles away from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it, the state's only got like 1.1 1. 1 or 1. 1.2 million right. people. It's got and so Rocky Long does well, but they want more. And it's hard to do more. So he gets fed up. And he says, screw you. And he leaves. 
Well, Tommy got fed up and he quit. The, the scrutiny was just too freaking much. And then, much to my delight, they hired John Makovic. And that was a mess. Right. Five wins to four wins to two wins. Well, thanks for playing. Next. <laughs> and by the way, you know his John Makovic stories about the chaos, not just the wins and losses, and those matter a lot, but the chaos behind the scenes? Ron McBride knows a lot of people in Arizona because he coached down there. Oh, he was and buddies with, uh, in fact, I think he spoke and Harlan spoke at Tommy's funeral. Yeah. And then the, the number of stories, how poorly Makovic got along with people. and Yeah, it was, it was miserable. Three miserable years. And they've never really recovered from that. I loved it. <laughs> I know you did. You're an Arizona State fan. And then they hire Stoops. And he was okay for a bit, a couple of uh, two eight and fives. Uh, but then they can him in the middle of the season at a four and eight. And then they go with Rich Rod, and I think Rich Rod, I've said this many times, Rich Rod has a brilliant offensive mind uh, and got them to 10 wins. They won the division, uh, went to the Fiesta Bowl. I think Boise kicked the crap out of him. They did. But it was so fun to watch him because he was a volcano waiting to explode at any given time. And then he he in, he embarrassed uh, the university. While winning less. Yeah, and it started to tail off. Uh, and the combination, that was the end of it for him. And then in comes Sumlin, and that went Absolutely like, beautiful. That went like <laughs> Makovic. That went from bad to worse to awful. Then Sumlin closes everything. He shuts down. There's like no media access. You're in a place where you need somebody to sell your program, right? You need somebody who's media friendly. If you're not media friendly, you better win big, Right. Like one of the reasons why I hope Pablo does well for RSL because he's obviously media friendly, mm-hmm. and he can talk, and he can laugh, and you feel like he's your guy even if you barely know him. Yep, all we, true. Now we went to the same high school. I just oddly enough, so we have this connection, which is ridiculous, but nevertheless, that's the way it played out, right? So you got all these things going on, and they suck. They lose seven games in a row, and then last year five. And the the ultimate embarrassment, seventy to seven. So in that time that the Utes joined the conference in time, they joined it in two thousand ten, but they had that last year. So they joined it in two thousand eleven. So they've had Mike Stoops, T- Tim Kish, Rich Rod, Kevin Sumlin, uh, Jed Fish during that time, and the Utes have had one guy. And. I have never in my life in this business pushing 40 years now, as crazy as it seems. I still got a few years to go before I get there. Uh, I've never seen a guy make as many strides with the media than Kyle. You know, he was sort of aggressive, maybe not confrontational, but certainly skeptical. Uh, Wasn't his strong point. But now, oh my gosh, the guy's a dream, man. Even if he doesn't say anything, everybody loves him. Yep. Even when he doesn't like your question or something, he has a way of like saying it without... Yeah, he didn't like your question Saturday or Monday. He did not. No, you could tell. 
Yes. And I a had fact. you ask it. You asked it for me. I did. So you took the hit. I did. Because I wrote about it and, and I wanted the answer. He said something <laughs> in the hallway. He said something in the hallway afterwards leaving about that. And I thought about saying peak and I'm like, nah, I'll just take the team. <laughs> you could have given me up. I could have, but I did. Well, well, now he'll find out because everything gets back to him. So yeah. he's like, you're down on our league. What about other leagues? What about the ACC? And you weren't down on it at I'm all. Like, you're, and I'm you're like, me. Well, no, but I agree with you. I mean, it's a terrible year for the league. There's no spinning it. It's a right. terrible year. It's it's awful. The league should not be five and five against the Mountain West. The, not, the league should not be three and ten against Power Five schools. With another loss to Notre Dame probably coming here in a couple weeks, so that would be three and eleven. Stanford, yeah. you're talking about. They yeah. shouldn't lose twice to the Big Sky, but Arizona and Washington. Thanks, guys. Two losses to the Big Sky. So anybody who wants to say or write anything about the Pac-12, it's it's all there. You know, which now is, there's a second ranked did, team because yeah. the Utes. Have, have crept back in. Uh, in this poll. In, in the, oh, I, I think it should be in the AP poll, too. Right. Well, and they will be after they beat Arizona and other people lose. So, right. But, but you know, there's, there's a chance that it'll be Oregon and everybody else will have five losses. Certainly, there's a good chance it'll be Oregon and everybody else could have four losses. Unless the Utes run the table, they're the only one who can avoid a four-loss season. Oh, I guess Arizona State could. Devils, You're right. Yeah, yeah Devils are 6-3. and three. But there, uh, there's just not enough teams with good records. Right. Not enough teams making a splash. And no matter how you measure it, beating the Big Sky, beating the Mountain West, beating Power 5 schools, they come up short in all those numbers. Now, to Kyle's point about the ACC, I think the ACC has always been the Mountain West Conference, or the WAC before that, of the East Coast. And they got stature because they brought in, the Big East brought in Miami, and the ACC brought in Florida State. And they rode those two programs while the rest of the league did nothing. Until this Clemson run. Clemson has had a run. But other than yeah, that, yeah, it's yeah. nothing. This is basically the Mountain West, and you put one team on top. Now Miami and Florida State have fallen way off. They're playing on ESPN in the middle of the day. There's no hype for it. It used to be the biggest thing. But that was, that was then. This is now. So I've decided, and I probably decided this a while ago, the most important thing the athletic director can do at these Power Fives and even lesser group of fives, whatever, I hate calling them lesser, but uh, group of five, Power Five. The number one most important thing is hire the right football coach. Oh, yeah. Above all. Right. And, and there used to be basketball schools where you had to hire a basketball coach, and if they exist, they're down to about five of them. Well, they, they're basketball schools because their football program sucks. There's something to that. Kansas and Arizona. <laughs> And now Kentucky's worked its way. It's worked Just itself recently, up. Kentucky has worked its way up. Yeah, yeah. UCLA needs to be good at football too. North Carolina needs to be good at football too. As good as they are at basketball, they need to be good at football yeah, too. Yeah, they're not Duke, bad. Duke's a gray area. They've had some good football teams. I don't. I'm not close enough to know if they have to be good at football. Kentucky has to be good at basketball. If Kentucky isn't good at basketball, people in Kentucky are furious. They have to be good at basketball. Period. End of story. So you've got yourself a gem here, and I know a lot of people are because is it really been, a lot, or is it a vocal minority? <sighs> okay, I can't define it. So you're right. I can't. I can't put a number on it. But there, and the vocal minority because of the word vocal probably makes it seem more. But you're going to win the division for the third time in a row, excluding last year, which in my mind doesn't count. And they may lose to Oregon in that conference title game. They may. But you still won the division three years in a row. I think you have to know your lot in life, and you're in Utah, and you're winning three years in a row, in my mind. All right, you haven't gotten the 
the ultimate prize yet. Maybe you get it this year. Uh, I, th- I think you have an excellent chance to get it this year. And if you get it this year, then that surely shut up everybody who, who's complained about him. To me, anyway. But I look at this conference, and I've been involved in this conference for a long, long time. And you see all these coaches coming and going. They ran out Dick Tomey. How'd that work for you guys? It didn't work. It sucked. They ran out Rocky Long. Much smaller example, but we were in the conference with them for years. Our guys, our teams. And they brought in, I can't even remember who they brought in. No, they brought in Loxley. Mike Loxley. How'd that work? Oh, he punched, in, he punched in an assistant. Yeah. And didn't he have something with an administrative assistant, something too? Like that, yeah. yeah. And they were an abomination. So be careful about grass is greener because it's not always. Yeah, you go Ohio State and you can transition from Urban to Ryan Day and Stoops to Lincoln Riley. I get all that. Uh, and that works for you. Good for you. But for the rest of us, for the other 95%, if you got something as good as what you have at Utah, I think you ought to cherish it and run with it. And now, you, now you're at the point. This year, basically, it's like it was in the Mountain West and the latter ends of the Mountain West. You're waking up Saturday knowing you're going to win. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> that is a good feeling. Yeah. It's a W, baby. So you got actually, three games left. You know you're going to win two. That That's actually for Utah, Utah State, and BYU. I mean, at the start of the month, you could look at it and think, these teams are going to go 10-2. and two. Utah might lose to Oregon, and Utah State might lose to San Jose State. But the rest of them just like wins all yeah, over the place. The USU makes me a little nervous because i got the Vegas game in my mind. Think they could still mess up a Wyoming? Yes. Hmm. Yes. They, Not so confident about a 10-2 and two for the locals this month. They needed uh, every last second practically is, to is be. Is BYU going to mess up uh, USC? No. SC is the ultimate I can't figure you guys out. And right now, with BYU playing as well as they have, I would think they would win. But SC, you still have players. You know, they the Devils got them last week, but in the fourth quarter it was 17-16. Now, this Rashad White went nuts. He ran for over 200 yards. He's an NFL back. Uh, and uh, with that in mind, he didn't play against uh, – I don't think he played uh, – I, mean, I can't remember. But he didn't play against Washington State. That's what it was. And they, and they got killed that game. Uh, but he's a good running back, and Algier's a good running back. So if Rashad White ran for 200 yards, I can see Algier having a field day against those guys. But yeah, you, you got to get the right guy, and then you got to allow him to do his thing. And Whittingham is the right guy. He's absolutely the right guy. Are they going to win nine games this year? Because if they do, that'll be six out of seven years, setting aside a year where they only played five games. We can't. We're going to have to set that one aside. I do. But that would be six out of the last seven full seasons that they've won nine games. And I think on the list of reasons not to fire him is, then you've got to bring in somebody else, and you've told everybody else, we're Utah, and nine wins a year isn't good enough. Yeah, I don't think there's any question he's going to, not going to get fired. Right. But for the people who are saying that, you've got to think about what you're saying. And that, does he tie the, the win mark uh, 
this Saturday. Yeah. I think he ties he it. He ties it this Saturday, and then, and then we'll maybe. break it with the next win, whether it's Oregon or Colorado. So he'll be the winningest coach in Utah history, which he doesn't really talk about it, but I think he wants it. Well, he's going to have it. He's going to have it, yeah. And I also think once he has it, and if he gets a Rose Bowl victory. That's good enough for a career? At some point, it's going to be enough. What if he thinks he can make a playoff? If he thinks he's got a loaded team? Yeah, the, the playoff, though, is... I know, but he's competitive. and I don't think he's going to retire this year. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I would be surprised. It's not out of the realm, but plenty of people have been running around saying he'll never coach a BYU-Utah game. And that I'm, is, not, I'm not there, saying anything that I haven't heard. There are 50 mi- times. I've had people in the media tell me that, like yeah. I didn't know it. Yeah, right. Like I hadn't heard it for myself. I don't know it. I won't. Let's say, like I haven't heard that. Right. I can't guarantee that it's true. If for no other reason, then he's like an NBA free agent now. Like he gets to make the decisions. He has the choices, and whatever he says or thinks today, if he changes his mind a week from now, he changes his mind a week from now. I know yeah. we got some golf in Hawaii, but it's not yet. <laughs> <laughs> he says, <laughs> trying to speak it into existence. Come on, baby. Oh, that's been conversation. Okay. Yeah. Plenty of conversation, actually. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show will get you up to speed. Next, Joe Ingles was on. Pablo Mastroni, RSL's interim manager, was on. Uh, he had a hilarious line. We'll tell you about that next. Stay with us, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The new Zone lineup is here. Give it up, give it up, with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes Unrivaled with Alex Keery and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. That moment where I kind of lost consciousness and I went running down and I grabbed that ball. <laughs> the the fourth official like whispered. It was like there's pandemonium and I'm grabbing this ball off the stand there and there's like a whisper set and he says, Pablo, don't do anything stupid with that ball. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I kind of look at because I, like I had a feeling of just wanting to punt this thing out of the stadium, you know, like like childhood, like ah, just let's let's like let's celebrate. And I heard this whisper and. So I put it back down, and it was just a really, really interesting moment for sure. Pablo Mastroeni right there, RSL's interim manager, joining us in the 7 o'clock hour this morning. It is time to get you caught up on everything we have been talking about in this show. It's brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up special, or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Pablo came on, talked about the last second goal, the borderline out of body experience. The, <laughs> the, 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 he's got the, the team trainer counting down to the end of the game in stoppage time. There's two minutes, there's one minute, there's 30 seconds. Yeah. And at 30, then he just gets quiet. That's it. And he asked the fourth later. Demir scored with like 15 seconds to go. There's 15 seconds left. And all the drama. And now it sends him to Seattle, of all places, of course, to face the RSL alumni. 
being run up there by Garth Lagerway, former GM. He's hired another former RSL GM, Craig Weibel, and most recently and controversially, head coach Freddie Juarez leaving midseason to go be an assistant in Seattle. Unheard of. And now RSL gets them in the playoffs on Tuesday the 23rd. Mm, up against it. As you know, they're th- I think they're 13-3-3 three and three against them all time. Look at you. Look at me. You got the numbers. Please heating in air. I already did. Yeah. Yeah. Pay attention. But thanks for listening. <laughs> so <laughs> You're having a conversation with them and nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> so they've got, uh, yes, going to Seattle and winning. The, the series all-time is pretty even, and both teams win at home. Seattle rarely wins here. RSL rarely wins there. And so Tuesday the 23rd, they will get after it. Seattle's the two seed, and RSL is the seven. So we talked with Pablo, and that was good. And, uh, and he remembers the, uh, the high school juggernaut that your uh, late brother-in-law built in there. It's, it's weird that you two went to the same high school. Now, not at the same time. No. But, but then he went on. He didn't go to ASU like you did. He went to, uh, or NAU either. Uh, he went to NC State, and he definitely had the, the Jim Valvano thing running up and down the sideline. That's what triggered that quote about seeing the ball on the stand ready for a throw-in, and they, they leave him there, and he picked it up and thought about punting it. Which would have been awesome if it would have been awesome. Probably would have been red carded. So what? <laughs> so what at that point, that right? Been funny. <laughs> Missed the last 15 seconds. All right. So uh, we had him on. We had Joe Ingalls on. Joe is really happy. They've got uh, 10, of, 10 of 12 at home. I guess it's 9 of 11 now. But they only play two road games between now and December. And they're quick one and done against teams they ought to beat. They got to go to Sacramento and they got to go to Oklahoma City. So it's really set up for him. Question of the day Are they back? Or as you like to say, just drop the R. They back! Well, let's speak their language. I don't think they are back. I don't think they're playing as well as they were last year. And I don't want them to play as well as they were last year. Because you can't sustain that all year? No need to have it now. Do enough. Be competitive. Win the ball games. Move on. 8-3 and three is their best record through 11 games under, under Quinn. Which isn't totally surprising. Team's been it? together a year longer. Donovan's a year older oh, this and better. Year? Right. So the thought that they should be matching the best start of they've course. had under Quinn or yes. exceeding it, well, why not? You know? This it's is the best team they had since the Statues Finals. It's inarguable. Inarguable. It, it absolutely it and is. And that's why they're not playing their best basketball. I think everyone would agree that. And we had people saying, oh, they're inconsistent. And, they're, and they've got the second best record in the NBA. And everybody, everybody thinks they can play better. Everybody thinks they're going to shoot the three better. It was 31.8. It inched up to 32.4%. But they're a team, if they shoot 37, 38, 39% from three, you're not surprised. There's much more improvement to be had. Maybe they'll shoot it better than that. Well, they can't be running at optimum because they don't have Rudy Gay. Even if they were playing as well as this group could, they brought in Gay to be a rotational piece. Yep. Not to be an end-of-the-bench dude nope. uh, like Ilya Sova last year, and if they need you... Hopefully you can give them something. Yeah. No, they, no. they expect him to give them something. Right. So that, when that happens, then we'll see what they got, how, how they adjust the rotations and all that stuff. Well, and also they're going to need his depth because they aren't going to stay healthy all year, and at some point somebody's going to be out, and they're going to need another guy to step in, and that's another reason they signed him. They expect him to be able to... Pick up some of that load too. That's when we see Azabuke 
Just dominate the G League. <laughs> Whiteside, man, in per minutes, he's got to be up there in boards. He's crushing it. He, he seems to be in a pretty good spot. Yeah, to get the amount of boards he's averaging, which has got to be probably in the eight category, somewhere in there, with the amount of minutes he's playing, or lack thereof, very, very impressive. Well, when they do have the back-to-backs, he's one of the guys who shouldn't be worn down. He's not playing that big of minutes. You know, the guys who are playing 30 minutes and going back-to-backs, they're going to feel a little bit. But if you're, if you're playing in the 15-minute range and you're going back-to-back, you got to be able to bring it the next night. And I think largely he has. Yeah, and I think Mitchell should be able to, too. He's still a young pup. It's so cool to think that you have these X amount of years, even if that people who worry about him leaving, well, it's not going to be here in the next couple of years at least. And to be able to think that, hey, you get to watch him play ball, and he's on your team, that's pretty cool. He's a fun, fun player to watch. Right now, 42 rebounds in 99 minutes for Hassan Whiteside. Not quite a rebound every two minutes, but that's phenomenal. I mean, a rebound every three minutes is, is really good, and he's, he's over that. So the Jazz get the win against the Hawks team that's missing a couple guys and going back-to-back. The Pacers are playing in Denver tonight. They will be going back-to-back when they face the Jazz. Now, they won't get in as late and be dealing with the time change, so... I suppose if I had to play back back in Utah, I'd rather be coming from Denver than coming from Golden State. Probably take that. But I'd rather not be playing a back-to-back coming into Utah, and the Pacers will be. So the Jazz back in action tomorrow night. The uh, other NBA news, to the surprise of no one, Nikola Jokic was suspended for one game without pay. You just can't, take a, you just can't line up a guy who's not looking at you and take a run at him. And he did. No, even if he was looking at him. Morris, on the other hand, did not get suspended, and i got to say I'm mildly surprised by that. I thought they were both going to get a game. I thought there was a chance Morris would get one. Can you be mildly surprised? Is that actually something that's capable of happening? I'm surprised, as opposed to, I'm surprised! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can be mildly surprised. No, 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 no. no. It's not a massive surprise. No, because that second one, that was stunned. You crossed over. You no longer were surprised. I left surprised, moved yeah. through shocked, and went straight to stunned. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I think by the... I'll try to dial it down a little. Right. I don't know if you can be mildly surprised. But I'm not. Unless there's like an accumulation like they do in your sport. Yellow card accumulation. Right. That's enough of that. You get to sit down now. That's fine. I didn't cards. think Morse's play, although inappropriate, especially in the game, the game's essentially over. Yep. Right? You're up 15, two minutes to go, whatever it was. There was no need for that, but I didn't think it, it necessitated a suspension. Now, Jokic's did, but I can see where he's coming from. Well, you cheap-shotted me, so I'm going to cheap-shot you. you. That's why I thought they might both get it. And I also think there's a history there. I just don't think that came out of nowhere. And I don't, but there's a history with every Morris pl- uh, player, every player in the league with the Morris brothers. So you wouldn't be surprised if he got a game either, then? I would have been surprised by that act. And how much do you factor history into 
not singular a, acts. Not a basketball play. Jokic has his arms on the ball above his head. I got his it. His ribs are exposed. Morris isn't even trying to make a play on the ball. He just runs over and staggers into him. But that's what those guys do. So with that in mind, if I'm Jokic, I take that game. Because I also think it sends a message to the league. Hey, I'm a wildly talented big man, but I ain't going to take any crap. It's worth a game. You'd prefer it not to happen, but he can't control that it did happen. Once it happened, I'm okay. You know, maybe not maybe not with the elbow as he did to really send because I don't think Morris your Getzeiler guy I listen to him uh, we have him on the air sometimes a Jersey guy he does NBA radio and I listen to him sometimes on the ride home and he was thinking that there was an acting job Uh, he even brought up your sport the soccer Uh, maybe as he was on the ground but I think falling to the ground if you're going to have a man the size of Jokic not just push you but elbow you like that you're going to go down Yep. So if I were Jokic, the thing that I would have done is maybe pushed him as opposed to using my forearm to give me more strength to really send that guy. Uh, because it could have been a, like a whiplash type of thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it could have been really, really That's dangerous. a lot of force coming from a guy that size. Right. I mean, that's the reason that whenever I wonder if someone's suspended, I would assume they're going to get suspended because the NBA knows— they were there in the 70s. They don't ever want to go back. They had the malice at the palace in the 2000s. They had multiple brawls rolling into the stands in the 90s. And Those were good times. <laughs> and they want to eliminate that stuff. I want to eliminate So I always think stuff. when in doubt, you got to take the extra game from 0 to 1 or from 1 to 2. I wasn't completely ruling out Jokic getting a two-game suspension. Uh, me either. But then we got the 1. But I also think it sends a message... I'm not going to take this. Yeah. Because I'm the one center who can who initiates the offense. Because he had gotten a rebound mm-hmm. and was bringing the ball down, which obviously Malone has told him to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he can bring the ball up court. He yeah. can handle and get right into it. Uh, the other basketball news, the College Hoops is here. It is with us. BYU was tied with Cleveland State deep into the second half. Pulled away late. Cleveland State's offense looked uh, unimaginative down the stretch. One guy dribbling into the paint and trying to loft something over three or four guys who were jumping at him. Yeah, the thing that I took out, BYU's got so many new dudes, and they've, mm-hmm. they're gonna, they they got to figure out rotations and everything, and they still got a ways to go there. Welcome to college basketball 2021, right? Absolutely. Because you can say the same thing about the youth so and the Aggies. Teams. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. But the thing that they know, uh, you need something, Barcelo. Oh, Yeah. 24 points, and the big shots go to him. The big possessions go to him. And he'll decide. He'll either take the shot or create something for somebody else. But the ball is going to go through him on big possessions without question. Right. Utes went on a 19-4 run in the second half, separated from Abilene Christian and won 70-56. And Utah State was in a tight game with UC Davis with seven minutes to go and went cold, didn't score there for about four minutes. And that was the difference in the game. They end up losing 72-69 to UC Davis. Picked fourth in the Big West this year. The four UC schools picked one, two, three, four in that league. It was weird. I don't know what it means, but they were picked one, two, three, four. I think it means they have the better teams. Yep, there you go. Thank you, coach. <laughs> College football rankings out. Oregon up to three, and you're not surprised at all. No, they were four, and Michigan State lost. 
So of course you'd move, move them up. up. Ohio State hops over the line. They're in at four. They've still got to play Michigan State and Michigan on consecutive weeks, who are ranked six and seven. Cincinnati sitting in the five spot, needs a little help. I am so looking forward to Utah, Oregon. The first time. Both times. But the first time is the first time, yes. Both times. But the first one being what it is there. You know, what's it going to be? I, I, I can We can spin the implications back and forth, but for Utah... The second one is going to be bigger. But for Oregon, both of them are massive. Yep. they got to win every game. Well, they got a massive game with Washington State this week. If Washington State wins, they take over first place in the division. They'll have the same record, and Wazoo will have the tiebreaker. Big game, ESPN, quadruple header. Nothing against Washington State, but I don't want that to happen. <laughs> be a great story with an interim coach. Nah. All the turmoil. The sure. little guy taking down the big dog. Since when do you root for the Oregon Ducks? There's a drop somewhere in there where you say, uh, what is that drop? Oregon is... Uh, well, they are. They're hooking. They're, p- they're bought yeah. and paid for. Yeah, I get, I get it. But no, I'm counting on the Utes beating them next week. There you go. So that means... You're all about the storyline. Yeah, let them think they're going to get there and have it uh, be a bitter defeat. And there's talk of maybe game day coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I want that. Yeah. Uh, Washington State at Oregon is on ESPN. It's the late-night game on ESPN, while Utah State and San Jose State is the late-night game on FS1. So you will have two games to pick between. Late at night. And I'll be down to Tucson, noon kickoff. Figure by 12.45 the game ought to be over. Late first quarter, huh? Yeah. Have well, that Stanford geez, field? Oregon is just basically a hooker. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I would be surprised. I mean, the Cats are down to their third-team quarterback. They've had massive injuries, and they don't even have any talent. And they got their one. They only wanted one. It's like all those guys who don't have a title, you just want one. If you don't have a victory, you want one. <laughs> they got one. <laughs> yeah, I know they, obviously they closed with the Devils. I don't know who they play next week, but uh, they got one. A decimated Cal team with whatever they don't care. Guys Did out. you see the video on social media of uh, they're trying to give away the game ball and no one can find a ball? It's been so long since the game. No one was prepared for a win in the game ball. <laughs> but you know the coach is a Jersey guy, so he talked his way through it. Oh, fish, yeah. Oh, yeah, with the team. He's like, all right, now you're gonna know. Now you know. When you win, you got to be ready. They'll be ready, guys, because there are going to be more of these. So he just kept going. He just kept pounding right through it. And you can see like team managers darting in and out in the Arizona locker room looking for a ball. Everybody's trying to find a ball. And he just keeps talking. He keeps talking. And the guys are kind of smiling. They see the irony in it. You know, there's guys who've been in the program three years. are like, I vaguely remember doing this a long time ago. Oh, yeah. If you would have joined as a freshman, your last would win – would have been your, uh, what, fifth game of 2019? Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah, for sure. A minute and a half. Two years. But they got it done. The last win was, of course, over Colorado, October 5th, 2019. So two, so 25 months ago, and they finally got a win. So that was entertaining. It's out there on social media. Check the Arizona football account. They're the ones Someone who put it out. Someone has maintained his residence in Tucson. Because his kid plays high school ball, and he was out there for senior night. Oh, there you go. Uh, Utah, Washington State, and ASU. That's how Arizona finishes the year. Utah, 
at Washington State at ASU. Oh, so this is Senior Day. Yes. Yeah, oh, man, they, the Utes are up against Senior Day. <laughs> All the emotion that goes with it. <laughs> they, Better not mess this up. They'll obviously have the uh, ceremony before the game. I would think so, yes. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, your feedback's coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I can't believe today was a good day. Jazz want to win the title this year, they have to adjust to how teams have adjusted to them, namely running our shooters off the three-point line, stealing dribbling when dribbling too much, and getting in passing lanes. Jazz are going to have to step it up a little bit to win the title. Step it up. But not in November. They'll have to play better. Yeah, for sure. I agree. But I'm not going to worry about it now. Eric says the Jazz are back to looking like the Jazz team that they'll let the Clippers, uh, no-name guys, shoot all over them. Still horrible perimeter defense. Jeez. I know, right? <laughs> I thought they the, – the NBA's evolved where you got to have 105 – 105 to 110 is usually the winning number somewhere in there. And they get to 110, it's a winning number. They held an opponent under 100 in an era where that doesn't happen a lot. I guess because they saw Herder and Young bury the three, and they shot 50% from the three. But they kept everybody else in check, and they didn't send them to the free throw line, and they held them under 100 points. If they keep holding teams under 100 points, they're going to keep winning a lot of games. There's no way around that. Uh, Yeah, I think that's universal, but yes, I Yes, I think that is universal. Every NBA team should know. If we go out there tonight and we don't give them 100 points, the odds of us winning go way up. The Jazz are now five and zero. They're eight and three this year. They're five and zero when they hold teams under hundred points, and they're three and three when they don't. And the Jazz are zero and it looks like they are zero and one when they don't score hundred points. They they got ninety nine in Chicago and lost. So this doesn't strike me as a team playing uh, playing no defense. You give up one hundred eighteen points in Miami, you lose the game. But they're eight and three, second record in the NBA, second best record in the NBA. So it doesn't feel like the wheels are coming off here. They're in a pretty, <laughs> they're in a pretty good spot. I don't know that I got to go with still horrible perimeter defense. It doesn't. They're eight and three, and it doesn't feel like the wheels are coming off. Well, I'm reading these comments. A and, statement that shouldn't have to be made. made. I was and you're right. Say. <laughs> but I'm looking at uh, the Jazz are consistently inconsistent. They're still playing horrible perimeter defense, and Eldon with the lukewarm. Uh, only time will tell. All right, I like that though. You know, if you're a fan. You tend, at least from my perspective, you tend to look at things negative. You know, a lot of you fans, trepidation next week. Uh-oh, here we go again. You know, I get that. So there's a sense of vulnerability but that's a, there. that's a different question. The question is, are you number one? Are you the champ? That's the question the Jazz are going to face when we get to the playoffs. And that's the question the Utes are going to face when we get to the conference title game. Right. but Are you, you number one? Because if you're number two, there's going to be a ton of disappointment. I could go to the Rose Bowl at number two. You could. You could. Although you would go at five losses. But, you know, as far as the, the winning the title, you, you name me any team in the league, and I would take the field. Right. Yes. And David Locke is with you. That was his point earlier this year. There's four to five teams that have a 10 or 15 or 20% chance, whatever, of winning. And one will do it, and most will not. 
And that's what the Bucks faced three years in a row. Did they have a 15 or 20 or 25% chance of winning? And twice they didn't get it done, and then the third time was the Although charm, that, and they did. That percentage, I want to evaluate that at the time the postseason begins. Absolutely. Some of these teams might play a little better. Some might play a little worse. One, one or two of the contenders can get gutted by injuries. Those numbers can absolutely change over the course of a season. Right. And we'll have to see how that plays out. So that's where the only time will tell comment, which uh, – Comes in from Eldon. There, there's some truth to that one. And but that's good that there is truth to that because that means it can happen. Yeah, because there's second. The majority second, of the teams, got, time won't tell. Portland, they, right? No, you're not going to do it. The Jazz have the second best record in the NBA right now, and clearly there's stuff they can get better at. Okay, we got to go. Coming up next, Jake and Ben. Stay with us.